All right, and welcome to another exciting adventure here on Southern Sense. It's Friday the 13th, and hopefully my co-host is telling me that we did have sound through our intro and commercial. Oh, boy, Friday the 13th. <laughs> you heard a click and a clank? Oh, jeez. All right, so we got a problem with my computer system. I apologize for the dead airspace. Uh, just uh, Friday the 13th, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> Everything's <laughs> going to mess up. Anyway, oh, you're here listening to Southern Sense live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Facebook, uh, good Lord, half a dozen other places. Just go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Uh, for those that are watching uh, or listening, you can actually now go to my webpage. Instead of coming in through Blog Talk Radio or going through Facebook or YouTube or any of that other crap, uh, you can go directly to Southern Sense, uh, put the dash in the middle, Southern Heights, and I've got a chat room up. I put Rumble Talk up there. So I've got that up there, and you should be able to also 
watch the video if it's streaming properly. And let me see if it is. And it's saying I'm offline. Son of a bee. It's Friday the 13th. Figures. Uh, yeah, do I have any black cats in the house? Uh, yes, I do, Sasquatch. I've got two of them. Actually, three. I've got three black cats. <laughs> not one, not two, but three black cats. Oh, my goodness, Curtis. What a way to start off the show. We thought we had everything lined up. And what do you know? It's yeah. not working. Well, I mean, I was chat- listening for the um, soundtrack, and there was none. I just heard a little piddling pit- around. And did, did you I thought hear it was the on my music? End. Did you hear no. any of the opening music? Not what at all. Cow? Oh my goodness! All right, so it's it's the the, the one that I have all the clips on. That computer is the one that's acting up. It wasn't oh, muted, was it? Showing? No. Okay. No. Oh. It's showing. Yeah. No, it's showing all. Proper audio settings. Oh, I don't get it. I'll have to play around with it over the weekend. Sorry about that, guys. Okay. I'm just going to have to cut the, those pieces in uh, later on. I'll have to edit it and put it back up. So I apologize. Eh. Like I said, Friday the 13th. Anyway, we got ourselves a rock and roll good show. A lot of great guests lined up. Um, we're going to start off with Lieutenant Colonel Anthony, or as you know, Tony Schaffer. Uh, you see him a lot up on Fox News, CBN, um, Newsmax. Uh, he's the president of, um, oh, good Lord, the London Center for Polity Research in New York. He's also New York Times bestselling author, former CIA, uh, and he also is involved with Stand Up America U.S., and he also has a podcast he does uh, through um, uh, the London Center, which is really great. He does that with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tim Wilson who was supposed to be on the show today also, but he had to catch a flight. Then we're going to have uh, retired Army Colonel uh, Calvin Wimbish, who is running for uh, Congress out of, I believe, Florida District 10. Uh, so we're going to be talking to him about his campaign. And this is our our biweekly visit from Mark Tapscott from the uh, Epoch uh, Times or Epoch Times. And Heritage is sending us back Virginia Allen. Oh, she was great. She is the news producer for the Daily Signal, the Heritage Foundation's uh, multimedia news outlet. So we got a lot happening, a lot happening. Now, I don't even know if the dedication music is going to uh, play. Holy cow. Um, so we're going to have to play the music. Hopefully it will go through on uh, Blog Talk Radio. But uh, those that listen to the show, Curtis, they know, you know, we always start off yeah. each and every show uh, with a dedication to a fallen hero. And uh, today's dedication is going to go out to Police Officer Caleb D. Ogilvy of the Covington Division of Police from Virginia. He was killed in line of duty. End of watch was Monday, March 14th of this year. And Covington Division of Police Officer Calvin Ogilvy was 35 when he was shot and killed while responding to a domestic disturbance call at a convenience store located at 121 North Allegheny Avenue in Covington, Virginia, at around 4.47 p.m. It was the department's first line-of-duty shooting death of any police officer in the Covington Police Department per police chief, Christopher Smith. Officer Ogilvy had served with the Covington Police Department for one year 
Prior to becoming a Covington police officer, he served as a U.S. Marine for the manner in which he served and protected the citizens of Covington, the Commonwealth of Virginia, and the nation. Officer Covington, I'm sorry, Officer Calvert B. Ogilvie is a Virginia hero, and we mourn his loss. This is according to a statement from the Virginia State Police Association. Officer Ogilvie is survived by his wife and four children. The members of the Virginia State Police Association have the officer's family and fellow Covington police officers in their hearts and prayers during this difficult time. Officer Caleb Daniel Ogilvie was born November 3, 1986, in Wisconsin, to Daniel Raymond Ogilvie and Dolores Ann Chambers Ogilvie. He served four years in the United States Marine Corps with two tours in Iraq and Afghanistan and continued to serve his community as a police officer for the city of Covington. He was a volunteer firefighter and an EMT for Roanoke County, a Chicago Bears fan, and enjoyed creating TikToks for the Covington Police Department. He loved spending time with his family loved his German Shepherd dogs, Penny and Major, and loved making people laugh. In addition to his parents, he is survived by his wife, Natasha Aaron Ogilvie of Selma, four daughters, Emerson Renly Ogilvie of Selma, and Kylie and Rylan Ogilvie, and their mother, Mallory Ogilvie of Christianburg, a sister, Abigail, and two brothers, Ryan and Benjamin. A funeral service was held on March 19th at the Convocation Center of Dabney South Lancaster Community College. A statement by Chief Chris Smith of the Covington Police Department is with a heavy heart that I must share with our community the news that police officer Caleb Ogilvie was shot and killed while responding to a domestic shooting at the Covington Farm and Fuel on that Monday afternoon. On behalf of the City of Covington Police Department, I want to express my gratitude for the incredible outpouring of support from the residents of Covington and Allegheny County. Please continue to keep Caleb's family in your prayers. He may have only joined our department last year, but his engaging personality, dedication to duty, and a great sense of humor quickly endeared him to his Covington police family and our local residents. His loss is being felt by so many across the community. A fund to support the Caleb's family has been set up through Fund the First, and online donations can be made at fundthefirst.com. A statement from Governor Glenn Youngkin. Governor Glenn Youngkin issued the statement following the line of duty death of Covington Police Officer Caleb D. Ogilvie. The First Lady and I are devastated by the tragic loss of a Covington Police Officer, Officer Caleb Ogilvie. This serves as a reminder that law enforcement officers risk their lives every day they put on the uniform. Our thoughts and prayers are with the family of Officer Ogilvie, the Covington Police Department, and the entire law enforcement community during this difficult time. The governor ordered the flags to be flown at half-staff on the day of Officer Caleb Ogilvie's memorial for the Commonwealth to honor 
is service and sacrifice. Officer Caleb D. Ogilvy, your end of tour will take it from here. We dedicate the show to all of the brave men and women that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. We also dedicate this show to all the brave men and women that serve in our military from the birth of this nation through today and into our wonderful future. We dedicate to them the song by Todd Allen Herrington, My Name is America. May God bless each and every one. Oh, tell me now, I have no sense I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends When I'm attacked I protect and because my name is America Rise 
All right, and we're back. You're here listening to Southern Sense live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeart, uh, half a dozen other places. Just go to the name of the show, put it dash the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the least mostess because it's Friday the 13th, Annie, the Radio Chickadee. Oh, and my co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Oh, man. And now it's turning around and telling me that my streaming is not going properly. Oh, what else can go wrong? It's Friday the 13th. What do you expect, Curtis? <laughs> Friday the 13th. Yeah, you, you got a point there. I didn't even, didn't even realize that. But um, thankfully, we can hear the music. You know, I'm sure we can get this other thing up and running. Yeah, I'm going to have to play with it over the weekend because uh, the computer that I stream all the clips off of, uh, for some reason, has been acting a little hinky the last couple of days. So mm. I'm wondering if I may have gotten a virus in there and it's playing around with my settings. So I'll have to check it out over the weekend. But we'll get our acts together. We will get our acts together. Oh, I want to yeah. welcome everyone that is in the chat room here on Blog Talk Radio, as well as those that are showing up over on uh, YouTube and Facebook. Uh, I'll try to keep track. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we've got a few minutes before our first guest uh, calls in, uh, which would be Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, uh, Schaffer. Um but I came across this, and I nearly fell out of my Archie Bunker chair laughing. You know, the Biden family has to be born. All of them have to be born brain dead. There's no other excuse for some of the idiotic things that come out of that family. The latest is President Biden's sister, Valerie Biden Owens. And she thinks that there's a certain female that should uh, get involved in politics, and she thinks she would be a good presidential candidate in the future. Now, I'm going to give you a chance to guess who she thinks would make a good female president. And that's, it's, not, uh, it's not Hillary Clinton, and it's not Queen Camilla Mella. So, Curtis, I'm going to give you a chance to even try to figure out what another brain dead Biden has come up with, thinking they're sounding very intelligent. Uh, go ahead. Please try. Please, because this is going to make my day. Oprah? Oh, no. 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 Better than that. Not Oprah? Be- oh, nope. Man. Not Oprah. Oh, no. All right. <laughs> she wants to see Meghan Markle. You know her. She is the Duchess of Sussex. Uh, she is married to oh, yeah. the royal family. Oh, yeah. Royal, yeah. She thinks she thinks Meghan Markle would make a good presidential candidate. Now, now correct me if I am wrong. Now, I don't have the constitution. I have it somewhere here in my little desk here before me. But I do believe, and I'm sure someone in the chat room will pull it out and tell me exactly where in the constitution this is, is that um, – the president may not have any foreign entanglements or titles, correct? Or, yeah, or dual citizenship. Yeah, right. Now, uh, I'm sure someone right now is thumbing through their constitution. Uh, here we go. Uh, uh, it's it's going to be underneath the three branches of government where, where it is. And uh, they cannot have any foreign entanglements or titles. That's in the Constitution. So brain dead, another brain-dead Biden has come up with an idea of a 
she makes her name by her society entanglements. Has she ever really done anything outside of designing clothes and stuff like that? Uh, has she done anything besides looking pretty and knowing all the best people, the best restaurants, the best places, and marrying a prince? Oh, jeez. But she would make a good well, presidential like, candidate. It seemed like she couldn't deal with the responsibilities she had as uh, royalty. So I don't know how she's going to run a country. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, he stepped away from his duties as a member of the royal family, and so did she because they couldn't deal with, you know, all of being in the spotlight, but yet they make their living being in the spotlight. So, I mean, come on. Yeah, just check any people's magazine. They're in there every other week. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. But Meghan Markle would make a good presidential candidate. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I know it's under Article 1, um, where they, they enumerate the powers of the legislature, the Senate, um, see the Senate places and meetings, um, the judges, okay, senators receive okay, services. Uh, well, bills, okay, I'm running through this, uh, okay, uh-huh. All right. I'm, I'm Just bear with me. Okay. All right. Here it is. Article 2. All right. And I'm lo- speed reading through this one. And here we go. There's a case of remo- removal. All right. I'm just... Okay. The president. Uh-huh. There's the oath of office. Uh, okay. Um, bear with me. Just I'm just trying to... I know there's something in here that says they may not have a title or foreign entanglement. But I'm sure someone else will find it for me. But this, this, is, this is what, what we have to deal with, folks. This is, this, is, this is our government. These are the people that are telling us how to live our lives, that are controlling our economy, that are controlling every single aspect of our lives at this point in time. And this is what they're coming out of, out with it. And a friend of mine sent me a, an email earlier, a retired police chief. <laughs> he went on a bit of a rant. So, Tony, if you're listening, uh, this is from my friend, Tony Scott. Uh, and he wrote to us, he goes, according to the Wall Street Journal, the current inflation rate is the highest it's ever been in over 40 years. Anyone with the least bit of common sense, can easily lay this directly at the feet of the Biden-Harris administration and the Socialist Democratic Party. Say what, say what they will, the economy and immigration was doing great under President Trump. Gas prices were low, we were fuel independent, and had respect around the world. Putin, the Chinese, and the North Koreans weren't on the move. Now, under the Biden-Harris administration, Putin has declared war on the Ukrainians, North Korea is testing rockets again, and China is flexing its muscles. And then he ends with, let's hope the American public will wake up before it gets any worse. I had my rant for the day. Tony, I couldn't have said it better. I could not have said this any any better. You think about that. And to think this this guy has aspirations of Running again, or cheating again—I don't know what it, which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
running but, a good cheat. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, he's got one of the lowest favorability ratings ever, but he's he's up for running again. Joe, and give me a break. Folks, you, you can't make this up. The very first thing he did when he got into office, the first order he signed was to cut off the, the pipelines to stop the flow of gas and oil in the United States. So what do you think that's going to happen? We're now going to become dependent on foreign oil because we're no longer being allowed to produce our own. I mean, we haven't had uh, a refinery built since the 1970s. I mean, so, no, if, if gas prices go up, if fuel and diesel go up, the cost of everything across the board naturally will also go up. I mean, I was watching last night some of these farmers. What it cost per day just to run one piece of equipment, how much money. Watch now. And they're complaining about now food shortages. Here we go. I think we got our first guest in on the line. And let me just get my little computer to stop misbehaving because it is Friday the 13th. You can't make this up. I want to welcome onto the show Lieutenant Colonel uh, Tony Schaefer. Good afternoon. How are you doing, sir? Hello? Hello? Yeah, that's Uh, Calvin. Oh, that's Calvin? Oh. Okay, because yeah. I was expecting I was expecting Tony to call at one thirty. So this is okay. So why not then? We got a colonel, Colonel Calvin Wimbish. Good afternoon, Calvin. How are you today? Am I batting a thousand? All right. Well, you I have a caller here, area code. I have area code three two one. You on the line? All right, I've got someone here, and they're off, and they dropped. Okay. Yeah, that, <laughs> Hopefully that was him, but um, I'm not sure if he's going to call back later because, you know, he was asking me a question at the time, and I got cut off. So oh, he, okay. he'll probably just come back at his regular time. All right. All right, well, I mean, it's, it's Friday 13, folks. Like I said, you just really can't make this this crap up. Holy cow. Holy moly. Anyway, let me see what else we got here because I, I started to pull stuff aside. Oh, um, this, this. Talk about our lamestream media. Uh, there's been reports of, uh, of vandalisms at synagogues and mosques. And, of course, they're saying it's right-wing extremism out there, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's, it's part of that uh, uh, insurrection against the nation. And they come up with all these stories trying to explain why this violence is going on. Anything but blaming it and laying it directly at the feet of the people that are actually perpetrating it, those on the extreme left. But no, 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 it's going to be ultra-maga. Well, that's, that's the new one, ultra-maga. And uh, King MAGA, like blaming it on Trump. Well, there was a whole series of a bunch of fires and arsons and vandalisms involving multiple houses of worship in the Portland area. And when they finally, finally traced it back, uh, it goes back to April 30th, Congregation Tikva. Uh, there was Congregation Beth Israel on May 2nd. 
May 3rd was the Muslim Community Center. May 4th, Congregation Beth Israel. And it, it's multiple different locations. And they're blaming everyone and anyone else on it. But guess, lo and behold, you know who the culprit was here, Curtis? It was the reporter reporting on the vandalisms and arson. The very reporter that was making his living reporting on these crimes was the one who's perpetrating them. So no longer reporting the story. He is the story. Our media today, they're not reporting the news. They're making the news for themselves. When was the last time you actually heard an honest, true, unbiased news report? I mean, I even had to turn off Newsmax yesterday because everything was all opinionated. And I actually found a different channel that gave me just the news. Just the news. Let me make a decision. Let me decide and make my own opinion. Don't tell me what to think. But that's just about what every single, quote, news station does today. Now, I am unabashedly a talk. I'm a talk show. I'm not a news show. I'm not a trained reporter. I bring you information. I give you my side. And I let you decide whether or not what I'm looking at is correct. And sometimes I bring in the opposite side and let you hear from the other side. And we can challenge each other in thought and have a decent conversation. But that's not what today's left is doing. you got to think their way. you got to think and do exactly what they tell you to do. Oh, but they don't have to adhere to their own rules. And let's just say Nancy Pelosi and masks. Am I looking at this right or wrong, Curtis? Oh, definitely right. Um, I mean, you can't get you can't get the truth out the left when it comes to reporting if you offered them money. You know, if, if they found out it was a conservative behind it, they're not going to take it. But I would say that um, only one I know that I, I trust news you know newsworthy wise is um, Steve Ducey's son. Can't remember his first name, but he's a good reporter. Good reporter. But all those others, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I think it's like Newsy or something I, up on my Roku, because I actually cut all the cables. And um, I, I was just thumbing around to see, excuse me, uh, thumbing around to see uh, who else is out there. And um, I, I found this one station that actually just reported on events. No opinion. And it was so refreshing. So refreshing to actually hear other things going on in the nation that just wasn't either left or right, just pure, unadulterated news. And it was so good, so good to have. Oh, excuse me, my nose just got stuffed up. Anyway. Um, well, when you, you, you think about the uh, energy crisis we're in, I mean, look how punitive the left is especially this um, administration when it comes to energy. He just um, canceled out a bunch of um, exploration um, for energy um, for the oil companies. And, I mean, they are trying their best to force us into driving electric cars. And, you know, not too many people are interested in that. Those, Some of those who are can't afford it, but they're going to punish us. You know, let us um, have these high oil prices, gas prices, and whatever, food prices. 
all to steer us in one direction. And I don't think it's going to work. No, no. And now they got baby about... food shortages. It don't make sense. I heard they're giving a lot of these baby foods to the illegals at the border. Yep, pallets upon pallets upon pallets of baby food appeared in these illegal immigrant camps, and they're giving them out to the illegal immigrants, and they're denying American children their food. They're starving American babies. And sooner or later, one of these American babies are going to die because they're not getting the proper formula. And who are they going to blame? They can't blame Trump because he's not the one that sent all the food to the, the border. They can't blame MAGA because they're the ones that begging for you to put the food back on the shelves for them, for the American children to have. Well, so actually, they're blame? blaming the mothers. They're blaming the mothers saying that they they need to stop hoarding the baby food. So now that's what they blame. The shortage on the mothers for hoarding. I. It's, it's crazy. I mean, they're not hoarding. They simply can't get it. And if you listen to some of these women talking about how they had to give their children um, an alternative formula and how these children got so sick and were crying and how some of these children simply, they didn't have anything. Here, this is the United States of America. And Joe Biden goes on a rant the other day. And blaming Ultra MAGA and blaming Trump for the things his administration is doing? Taking the easy way out, as the Beatles song goes. (laughs) Why blame? Why take responsibility when I can blame somebody else? Gas prices were not the fault of Donald Trump policies. If anything, gas prices um, fell. So fantastically. I mean, before Trump lost the election, I went and filled up my my tank at a dollar sixty nine a gallon. The highest in the area was a dollar eighty nine a gallon. Now, I went to put gas in my car. Here in South Carolina, it's over four dollars. I'm sure New York and California is seeing five and six dollars. But no, you increase gas more than a hundred percent. That's more than it's, that's coming on to climbing up to two hundred percent increase in the price of gas. You know, but no, I, no. I worked I worked the polls during election time, primary and the general election, and I remember a friend of mine who's a Democrat walking out of the polls, um, saying, "Yeah, we got to get rid of that Trump." I like to ask him now, how, how is he enjoying the high gas prices and high food prices and everything else now that he got rid of Trump? Because we didn't have all this under Trump. I mean, the country is no, basically just nosediving in every regard, including the stock market. Yeah, including the stock market. And, oh, heaven forbid anyone invested in Bitcoin or any of those cryptocurrencies, that is tanking big time, big, big time. But, no, and you add on his foreign policy. I mean, can they make us any more of a fool nationwide, I mean, worldwide? Can they make us look any dumber nationwide? 
Well, Please. I'm glad you said that because they still respect us as a, a, a superpower, military power. They know it's our leadership that's weak. And because it is weak, I have every every um, notion that China is going to try to retake Taiwan because this would be the time to do it while we're so-called weak and weak leadership. They're seeing what's what? happening with Putin, you know, Putin's not winning, but he he's not getting a lot of pushback from the United States either. He's going to be there for a yeah. while. But China, they know well, they can overrun Taiwan in, in two days. So why well, not? On Monday, on Monday, um, the Chinese People's Liberation Army announced, they publicly announced this on Monday, it says Eastern Theater Command organized maritime aerial, conventional missile, and other forces around Taiwan carried out drills around the island from Friday to Sunday last weekend. The Eastern Theater Command, the Chinese, said the drills were intended to test and improve the joint operations capability of multiple services and arms. Yes, they are getting ready to invade Taiwan. And it's not a matter of if. It's going to be a matter of when. When. Actually, we should be sending them weapons um, to protect themselves instead of, you know, like what happened in the Ukraine. We wait till the attack happened, and now we're trying to get weapons to them. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, while China is is rattling their sabers, they set up a uh, mock, uh, what do you call it? They, They set up a mock port, and what resembles what looks like an American military port in the middle of the desert, and lobbed missiles at it. You think we're not in their in their, their aim? You think that, that we're not in their line of sight? If they take Taiwan, be prepared for them to start to try to launch something against us. They control a large amount of our food supply. They've been buying up farms, food processing plants, Perfect example, Smithfield Meats. Every time I walk past, and I loved Smithfield Meats. I would always stock up when I ever saw them, especially on sale. I'm not going near them because the Chinese owned. Now, I've been ranting about this ever since people started talking about TikTok. Well, lo and behold, guess what? The New York Times, in a recent article published back on the 10th, admits, that Trump was right about TikTok. It's owned by ByteDance, a Chinese company. And if you have a company in China, even if you are an American company, the Chinese has to have at least one member of the Chinese Communist Party on your board as a part of your company. So no matter what, the Chinese will still control your company. You can be based out of Dallas, Texas. And if you're doing business in China, the Chinese are going to have their thumb in the pot. Now, TikTok is controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. And what do you think they're doing? Every single little bite of data you put out there, every little stupid, silly thing you do, they have your IP address. They know your preferences. They know your political and your religious and your sexual presence preferences. They know everything about you. And while they're controlling our food, 
our manufacturing, uh, social network. They've also been buying up these DNA companies. And what they can't buy up, like Ancestry.com, uh, um, they then hack into the system to get samples of your DNA. Now, I wonder how much of that information traveled back to that certain one little lab in Wuhan to a certain virus that, oh, geez, just accidentally on purpose escaped, causing a worldwide COVID pandemic. See, how much of our DNA did they collect to help create that virus? And, oh, gee, and now the things coming out about those vaccines. All along, I said all along, they created these vaccines using little nanobots, little artificial things in those vaccines that does weird things to your body. And they're saying they have no idea if you've had the vaccine. It could be a year from now. It could be six months from now. It could be five or oh, ten yeah. years from now. You're going to start oh, to yeah. see a lot of people coming down with neurological damage and other odd things, heart conditions, liver and kidney destruction, organ destruction. These viruses continue to mutate in your body over and over. So it may be one form this week, and next month it'll be a different form, and you don't know where it's going to attack you. Hmm. And that's true. And those of us that didn't get, yeah. So, you know, I'm telling you, things are going to start to come out. So, looks like we lost our guest. Something happened, so I'll have to get a hold of his guy to find out what happened here. But it looks like uh, we've lost one guest for today. It's a shame, because Tony Schaefer is always fun to speak with. And, uh, Wait to see if I got a response from his agent, and nothing has come back yet. Well, all right. Well, that's what's going on so far. But all the while, we now have all this crap going on. And add in now, Putin is not happy with how things are going on in Ukraine. So to take our mind off of what he's doing to the Ukrainians, um, he is now threatening um, Finland. Finland wants to join NATO. And we've oh, got yeah. the three Scandinavian nations up there who are our allies. And Finland says, well, I've been waiting for quite a while. I want to get here into a NATO, you know. Putin is threatening military action against the Scandinavian countries if they decide to join NATO and NATO accepts them. This is a world gone crazy. This is a huge world going absolutely Nuts up. He's threatening a full-fledged nuclear war. And this is something I did want to talk to uh, Tony Schaffer about. But I guess he got uh, he got a little sidetracked, but that happens. I'll probably turn on the news later on and find he's up on, like, maybe Newsmax or something else. <laughs> Not little old me. Not little old me. But that's all right. But uh, and, and you talk about our military strength, Curtis. It's not the same as when you were in. They've got all the social engineering going on. And I've got friends left and right. Uh, they've been just waiting for their retirement papers to come through. Uh, the kid that uh, a friend of mine, his son, came into the Marine Corps about, it was about five years ago or so. And he was over here at Paris Island training. And he was all by himself on Thanksgiving. So my husband and I took him in for Thanksgiving. 
And he's a good kid, really good kid. But he only lasted those five years. And as soon as he saw the social engineering and everything else, he said, that's it. My hitch is up. I'm out of here. And he joined a um, National Guard outfit, I believe. I don't know if it was in... And he, I think he, he may have gone to Wisconsin or Nebraska or something like that, one of those states up there uh, on, the, on the West Coast. Uh, so he said, I'm out of here. I'm going with this unit, you know. Well, I checked not it out. only that, it, it, not only that, I, I don't think today's um, servicemen and women are mentally tough as we were back in the day because of all this social engineering that's going on with our military I mean, I, there was a time I was hearing that on the the flight deck of some of our carrier aircraft carriers, um, the individual could carry a timeout card if they got too stressed out or they were being chewed out. You know, they could pull out a you, timeout card, and and you, you had to leave them alone. Kidding. That's you got to be and this is, this is how they were um, dealing with um, today's. Um, um, warrior, we're not really warriors, and the ones that did have testosterone, even the women, they discourage that. You know, they don't want machismo, <laughs> men or women. I'm sorry, so, uh, um, sir. I can't do the push-ups today because I'm afraid I'm going to break a fingernail. Get well, there's a one, break. Yeah. There's one aircraft carrier. I think it might be the Lincoln, but they had like 10 suicides in less than 10 months. That's a lot. That's that's crazy. I mean, don't they do a mental screening? When these men and women sign up, you have to go through a physical. You should be screened mentally also. Oh, wait a minute. Well, that's right. I'm going to tell you. You're now recruiting those that are transgender. Uh and you're also allowing the taxpayers to pay for their surgeries, their therapies, their medications. And when the men decide that they're going to become pregnant and have their menstrual period, you have to give them time off. Because now it's no longer women that have babies, but any gender can have a baby now. Well, Even the though the biology doesn't go that way. Yeah, the psychological um, exam... I mean, it's a joke. I mean, you got 200 people you have to see, and they're in a line, and you go in and, and see the um, psychiatrist, and they ask you some questions and things like that, some general basic questions, and it lasts like maybe eight minutes, and then it's on to the next guy. They don't really have an in-depth, you know, um, examination of you mentally, you know, wise mental wise. So it's it's easy to get people in there that turn out later to, to be suicidal or or um, <laughs> psychopaths or whatever, you know. Mm. Or just, just outright malcontents. They just don't fit in. Because they, they just do a general type um inquiry into your mental state of health. Now the only ones that really get um evaluation are those that have gone into uh, specific areas, specific units that requires you to be, you know, um, normal and mentally tough. Mm. 
and those were usually our special forces units and uh, psychops and things like that. Intel. You know, it's the destruction of America from the inside out. We no longer have to worry about a foreign threat, but we've allowed them to walk straight through the front door into our living rooms, into our intimate areas of our life, and destroy everything that is good, that is healthy about America. You're not allowed to pray in public anymore. Oh, heaven forbid. You know, Mm -hmm. we marked on this Oh, some 20-some-odd years ago, downtown, there used to be a, a, a sidewalk corner preacher. And he would be out there thumping the Bible, and, hey, he's not bothering anybody. But, oh, it's noise complaints. People complaining because he was making noise. So under the noise ordinance, he had to stop preaching on the corner. He could only preach within a church or any religious uh, building, facility. No, no, no. You don't have the sidewalk preachers out there anymore. No. So once you start separating you from God, then they separate you from your family. And once you're isolated, you're easy pickings. Yeah, for those who remember Nikita Khrushchev uh, of Russia, he once said that um, they're going to go about destroying us from within not from without. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on. And we're helping them. We have people in this country and in, in, in office and positions of leadership that are helping to destroy us. And that's got to stop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you now also have the Second Amendment being attacked left and right. Yeah. And now you're seeing uh, with the hospital uh ruling on the Roe v. Wade case uh, being leaked, massive protests doing stuff, and these people that are protesting, not a single person has been arrested doing the illegal act, intimidating and threatening a city judge, a sitting judge. It doesn't matter if the, the, the judge is in your traffic court, your criminal court, your civil court, or the Supreme Court. It's a sitting judge, and you don't intimidate the judges. That's a felony. And we're, That's where are the Republican fun. leaders? Where are the Republican leaders demanding that the um, you know Department of Justice protect these guys and, and arrest these people? No. Their no, responsibility, from what I understand, for the safety and protection of the Supreme Court justices, the DOJ, and also the governor of Virginia can send in state troopers. To not only just well, I, guard the house, but to arrest these people. That's if they live in Virginia. And a lot of these well, a lot of the Supreme Court justices live in, in Virginia, just across the um, the Beltway, um, the Potomac River. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but, oh, lo and behold, they showed up in front of Nancy Pelosi's house. <gasps> you can bet that your sweet bippy that uh, they were moved very fast. Because Nancy Pelosi didn't want her her five hundred dollar ice cream or whatever his, her ice cream costs uh, to melt. Oh heaven forbid, having a meltdown there. But no, 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 no. Attack what is good about America: our ability to be self-reliant, to be independent, to think independently, to be able to speak openly and independently. 
hey, I'll defend your right of free speech. No matter what stupid thing you say, I will defend it. I may not agree with you, and you may find me debating you or telling you how much of a blooming idiot you are, but I'm not going to shut you up. Because if I shut you up, I'm saying that it's okay for you to shut me up, and neither one is good. I am just, I don't know. (laughs) I I get ticked off with all this uh, fake indignation of the crimes against, you know, being a woman when a couple of weeks ago they supported a woman who claimed she couldn't define a woman, what a woman was. Now that's all you hear, you know, a woman's right to, you know, say what she could do with her body and all this stuff. I thought there was no definition for women. Not only that, they had no problem telling people what to object to their bodies by, you know, mandating that they take the jab. They had no problem with that issue. But suddenly, suddenly, hey, we have a right to, you know, to, to abort our children because it's our bodies. You know, that child has its own DNA. It has its own beating heart. It is an actual separate entity. It has its own personality even while in the womb. Tell me right. how that is not a living, breathing human being, a creation of God endowed with certain unalienable traits. It has the right well, the, of life and liberty. Yeah. Well, the left has been very, very masterful at the devaluing life, you know, at that level to the point where these women really think it's, it's, not, it's not a life form. It's just a bunch of cells. So, you know, in their conscience, if they have any, you know, they, they're doing the right thing because it's not a life form, they've been told. It's just a bunch of well, cells. Know, I, I'm gonna, I've been talking about doing this for a while, and I think I am. I'm going to put up on our website sometime in the near future a little store, uh, because I created this T-shirt that, said, that says on it, I thank God my mother, my mom, chose life. I thank, you think about that. All these people out there protesting for pro-choice, where would they be if their mother did not choose life? They wouldn't be out there to be able to protest. They're doing something as stupid as they are doing right now. But their, their parents chose to proceed with that pregnancy, to raise that child, to give that child life. God actually gave well, that child life. They, first of all, they are putting out their false information because this will not be the end of abortion. It just goes back to the states. There will be some liberal states that say it's all right, you know. Well, you know, that doesn't sound like it's going to end if you you, you have a state that says it's going to be all right. And there will be states that say, no, you cannot do that here. But the real issue is it's not about taking away women's rights. It's about um, being a voice for that, that unborn who has no voice in this matter. They don't get to have a, a choice of whether to live or not. And that's that's the way I put it to other people who come up with to me with this um, women's rights issue. It's not a women's rights issue. It's a right to life issue. Exactly. Exactly. As uh, Sasquatch in the chat room just put up, he said uh, one bumper sticker says, your mother 
was pro-life. I actually saw someone with one of those. I like that. I like that a lot. But uh, for those that are wondering what is going on, our guest is a no-show. It was supposed to have been uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Tony Schaefer of the uh, London Center for Policy Research. Um, He's also a best-selling author, so we'll try to see if we can get him back at another date. Uh, So I'll talk to Chris, who booked him with us, and find out what happened and see if we can get him back. Uh, And he he does a podcast with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tim Wilson of the British Army, retired. Uh, which is great. So if I can get the two of them to come on at the same time, that would be even better. So I'm going to put Tony aside somewhere to remind me to get a hold of Chris and find out what happened here, Chris. Wow. Okay. Oh, we'll, we'll get we'll get our acts together here. <laughs> but is Calvin going to call in early, uh, Curtis? I can see if he will. Yeah. So because give, we've give got all second. this time. Yeah, we got all this time and a lot to talk about. Mm. Okay. And I was just talking about the okay, um, talking about the attack on uh, Second Amendment. Um, there was a recent article out, and let me see if I can find it. I just had it in my hand. That's TikTok. I just had it in my fat little hand. Oh, come on, Annie. Oh, of course, I can't separate them. Now that's China. That's that. Oh, that's just this is live radio, folks. You just really can't make this up. Um, Ah, okay, here we go. So this was up in the uh, Washington Times, an opinion piece by, oh, here we go. That's why I pulled it up. Tony Schaefer and Tim Wilson uh, talking about a growing body of evidence uh, that law-abiding citizens want to reduce violent crime, which which is true. Yeah, I, I would like to see crime reduced. I don't have to worry about stepping out the front door and being mugged or something. I'm sure a lot of people in cities like New York, Los Angeles, uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, we'd like to see a lot less violence in their cities. Uh, these big cities have seen uh, a huge surge in uh, crime. Therefore, they've also seen a huge surge in gun sales, with millions of new gun owners realizing that if enforcement can't protect them, their Second Amendment rights will. And he goes on talking about that, talking about the data. Um, and we're finally seeing admissions that defensive gun use which is incredibly hard to measure, uh, is, given, is being admitted to in such events. And people are now using defensive you know, weapons to fight back against being a victim of a crime. You know, uh, for some places, uh, there's the seven worst cities for murder accounting for more than 15% of that occur. Just seven cities account for 15% of the murders occurring in these United States. Now, think about that. Just seven cities? Holy cow. And they, they, they call it gun violence. Well, the guns don't cause the violence. It's the person behind the, the firearm that causes the violence. So it's, it's not a gun violence. It is a violent crime. That's a person that commits that crime. Without the person, the crime wouldn't exist. If I were to turn around, take my gun out, put it on the desk here, walk away, or even put it outside by my front door, walk away, that gun is not going to shoot anybody. That gun is not going to do anything. It's just going to lay exactly where I placed it until I go back and retrieve it. So how is that gun going to cause violence? It's the person holding the gun. And that's what we have to do. We have to go after the criminal 
not the law-abiding citizen. I mean, I was actually surprised. I went to the gun range the other day, and a habit, the one I used to go to closed down a number of years ago, is the first thing you do is you pull out your, your permit, your concealed carry permit, your CCP, what we call it here. And you present it to show that, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm registered to carry. Well, I went to this one range, a new one I've never gone to before. And I give them my ID, and that's how they know who's on what range. And I said, well, do you need to see the CCP? He goes, no, you're good. Wow. How refreshing. How refreshing that he understood I'm walking into his gun shop to use the, the range, that he knows I'm a responsible law-abiding citizen exercising my Second Amendment rights. And there was no, no prove, prove, prove to me that you have a right to carry that gun. Prove to me that you need to carry that gun. We need to go back to that. We need to be able to turn around and say what we want, when we want, without being doxxed, without being shamed, without facing cancel culture. And we've got to take this nation back and we do it one vote at a time at the ballot box. So this coming election, folks, is going to be really, really important. This midterm election, I don't care what state you live in or how small that office is on the ballot. Get out there and exercise your right. And if you say, oh, well, if I vote, my vote's going to be canceled out by, by the left. So what's the point? That's the important point because your vote is canceling out the left's vote. And we get more people like you and me to vote. Not only will we cancel out the left's vote, we will surpass it. And we will put like-minded American patriotic people in office. Whether it's your dog catcher, your council member, your school board member, your local state and senator or representative, or even federal office. Each and every vote counts. And this is what the left is good at. Somewhere or other, legally or illegally, they get more people to get the vote out. We've got to counter that. We've got to counter every illegal vote with our legal vote. We have to counter every left vote with our vote. And the more of mainstream America, the more the heart of America, you and me, are out there voting, the better and the faster way we can ever take this nation back. Whether you vote for Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, I don't care. Let's just cancel out the left. We can do the cancel culture, but we can do it lawfully and legally at the ballot box. So what happened, Curtis? I left him a text message. But, you know, we also got to stop them from cheating like they did in 2020. Um, I watched that film, 2,000 Mules, and the evidence is there that they cheated, you know. But um, I, I really don't count on the DOJ doing anything, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. No, you won't see anything out of the Department of Justice. Zip. Zero. Not unless we get a good, solid conservative president in there and a clean house. And this is what Donald Trump did do wrong. He didn't clean house and put all new people in. He left a lot of people in place. And what do we have? We have the Chris Christie's. We've got the Pompeo's. Uh, we've, we've got 
Garland. We've got all these worthless swamp creatures. He should have cleaned house immediately. Leave, leave no one and just fresh start. And if you turn around and you do something that I don't like, you're out of here because you serve at the pleasure of the president. And he should have not have been afraid to clean everyone out. And that's what our next president is going to have to do. And we have to make sure that next president is a solid conservative. To move America first. To bring us back energy independent. To make us military strong. To get rid of this social engineering going on in our military. And then turn around for every single military man and woman that did not get the vaccination. Bring them back. Give them their back pay, put them back in their positions, and you know what? Even promote them to say thank you for coming back and thank you for being willing to serve our nation once again. I don't know. I don't know, Curtis. I'm hoping that we can bring our nation back. I'm hoping that we can reclaim it. Well, I will say in Trump's defense, when he first got in there to Washington as president, he didn't really know everybody or who were the good guys and the bad guys, per se, even within the Republican Party, because he, as he fa- later found out, they were some of his worst um, <laughs> his worst enemies, those that were mm-hmm. the elite Republican um, um, Party, um, Comey for one. So he, he, I guess he just had to um, try to trust the, the people who were around him but he knows now, you know, he knows who's who's good and who's bad now. So I think when he comes back this time, he can really finish what he started. That's what I'm well, that's what I hope for. And, you know, if you're looking at the race going on in Pennsylvania with Kathy Barnett uh, just soaring up, I mean, out of, out of nowhere, she just leapfrogged up and sitting in number two against uh, Oz, the attacks that are going on her, and I was watching last night. Um, I like Greg Kelly, but this time I think he stepped over the line because he played a clip where she was talking about why she put her picture on her campaign posters. Now, all the other candidates, none of them have their picture on their campaign posters. You know, those, all those lawn posters, you, you put it out there. Hers is the only one with her face on it. And she was explaining at one of her rallies why she did it. And she did it with such sarcasm. You know, you and I know Kathy. Uh, and she can be rather sarcastic and funny. Uh, but she's saying, well, she wants people to knock on doors and hand out her, her information. And, you know, if people refuse to take it or even talk to them, her response was, why? Because it's a black woman running for office? What are you, racist? What she did was she was turning the table on the left, using their argument to further her cause. She's not racist. She didn't do it simply because she's a black woman. She did it because she's a conservative woman. And they're trying to tear holes in her, her past story. But, you know, do you really want to go down that rabbit hole? Because every single person, every one of us, has something in our past we don't want brought forward. This is where I stand now. This is who I am today now. This is what I am promising to do. If I don't do that, then you just vote me out of office. You don't reelect me. I'll be here for two years. I have two years to prove I am going to do what I say. If I fail to do that, vote me out. 
Or if you have the ability and your state allows you to do it, do a recall election. You, either way, you vote me out. But, you know, the, the, the way that she is being attacked makes me wonder, why does she scare them so much? What is it? Well, it's the maybe their, their credentials don't match up to hers? For one thing, um, a, lot of, a lot of these candidates have put millions of dollars into this, and I think she spent less than 200000 and that does scare scare them because she is getting more money now. And um, not only that, um, a lot of people have already um, chosen the winner, and that's Dr. Oz. And I'm talking about people um, from the conservative side, including Trump, who endorsed Oz. And you got um, Mark Levin, and you got Sean Hannity, all of them out there, way ahead of the game. Um, coronating Dr. Oz, and I really think as as um, mainstream influencers, they should have just held back and and not endorsed anybody until they heard all the candidates. You know, be neutral. And I think that's what Sean said now, because it looks like Kathy might beat the person that um, he endorsed. But you know, the reason why he said that he endorsed Dr. Oz because nobody took her seriously. <laughs> it's almost like what happened with Trump. Nobody took Trump seriously from mainstream. And um, he just, out of nowhere, just came out like like the horse, Secretariat, and, and beat mm-hmm. everybody by by 16 to 20-something horselands. <laughs> wow. But... Um, Kathy's sort of like that. She just, like, surprised them all. They don't know how to respond. So what they say is, well, she may win the primaries, but she can't win the, the general election. So that's that's how they're going to deal with that. The thing about it is, if she wins the primary, you get behind her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you may be her opponent right now, but if she does win the primary – and the rest of those Republicans decide to ditch her and not go out and vote for her to make sure that a Republican gets that seat, then I'm going to call, call them what they are, blooming idiots. Mm-hmm. Self-centered, selfish, blooming idiots. And they are the worst thing for the Republican Party. They are the worst thing for the conservative movement. What did she call it? Um, what did she call um, us? Uh, a minnow. Um, oh, what the heck is that? Uh, Did she she say something like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's something in name only. Um, oh God, I forgot now what it was. Jeez, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll probably think of it at about two o'clock in the morning. But you know, it, that's that is definitely a race to watch, and then watch what happens if she does take that primary. And I wish her a lot of luck. I mean, you do have fairly decent candidates there. Um, uh Uh-oh. You okay there? You okay there, buddy? Uh Uh-oh. Did I lose Curtis? I think I just lost Curtis. It's Friday the 13th, folks. What else can go wrong? What else could possibly go wrong? Anyway. 
Um, this is another story I picked up, and I thought it was very, very interesting. Because when we were talking about our weakness uh, around the world, and this is a perfect example. Uh, this was an article that was up in Western Journal by Ben Carrito. And um, uh, the only way I can do this is it was just to read it out. Uh, and Ben writes, did you hear that Israeli spies saved the life of a U.S. general by foiling an Iranian assassination plot? And this is where I started reading. I'm going, WTF? What the? What are you talking about? You didn't see this anywhere in the news. And, of course, this administration hates Israel. They really do. And you've got members of Congress that want to see death to Israel. So he carries on. He goes, probably not. But don't feel bad. Nobody else in America did either. The legacy media in the U.S. reported very little or not at all on what should be the most important stories of the year. In Israel, however, news outlets erupted with the explosive story. At the end of April, Israeli Mossad agents operating inside Iran apprehended and interrogated a man named Mansour Rasuli. Audio recordings and photos were released in which Rasuli, a high-level terrorist coordinator with Iran's famous Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and the Quds Force, admitted that he had been ordered to arrange the assassination of a U.S. general stationed in Germany, as well as an Israeli diplomat in Turkey and a journalist in France. Confessing to the terrorism plot, Rasuli explained that his counterpart in Europe had been paid $150,000 to prepare for the assassinations by working in tandem with affiliated international crime and drug lords. Now, this is something I talk about uh, a lot when we're talking about the drug cartels, how, how terrorism uh, is now coupled with the drug lords. Now, think about this massive amount of fentanyl coming in from Mexico and where the, the chemicals being manufactured? In China. And what is China also now doing? Helping the Middle East terrorists. So you've got the Russians helping the terrorists. You've got the Chinese helping the terrorists. You've got the Arab world helping the terrorists. And now the terrorists are hooking up with the drug cartels. And what are they doing? They're bombarding America with fentanyl. And there was a recent uh, FDA um, statistic released that this year alone, over 100,000 Americans, most of them young, most of them very young, have, been, have died what they call drug overdose. Well, listen, if you're taking something, say, for example, you're taking a snort of cocaine, you're thinking you're ingesting cocaine, but if that is laced, with fentanyl, you don't know you're taking fentanyl. So that's not a drug overdose. That's a poisoning. There have been stories after stories after stories, and I met one of these mothers who lost her daughter. Her daughter thought she was taking a Percocet. She had, she had a bad back. She had back surgery, and she thought she was taking a Percocet. Her friend handed her a Percocet out of her bathroom cabinet, thinking it was just a Percocet. It was laced with fentanyl, and the girl died from a fentanyl poisoning. 
That's not a drug overdose, but this is how our government does this. They're going to parse the words. So you're thinking, oh, my God, we've got a drug epidemic. Yeah, we have an epidemic of fentanyl poisoning. So call it what it is and prosecute it for deliberate murder. That's not pushing drugs. That's facilitating murder. Anyway, he goes on to write, Iran reportedly provides over $100 million per year to Hamas and the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, the most violent terrorist organizations operating in the Gaza Strip and anywhere else. But now, pointing out that a top-level American military officer was one of the prime targets of the terrorism branch of the Islamic Republic of Iran, Israeli officials have emphasized that the Iranian threat is not limited to the modern Jewish states. And it's not just Israeli soldiers who feel that way. Former President Donald J. Trump, for instance, had been warning of this threat for years, and yes, he has. Iran's hostilities substantially increased after the foolish Iran nuclear deal was signed in 2013. Oh, we remember that one, don't we all? And they were given $150 billion U.S. dollars, not to mention the $1.8 billion U.S. dollars in cash, he said in January 2020. Instead of saying thank you to the United States, they chanted death to America. Iran went on a terrorist spree funded by our tax dollars, our money from the deal, and created hell in Yemen, Syria, Lebanon, Afghanistan, Iraq. The missiles fired at us, meaning Israel, and our allies were paid with the funds made available by the Obama administration. Folks, your tax dollars at work. President Joe Biden and his colleagues, especially Secretary of State Anthony Blooming Blinken, have attempted to return the U.S. to the Obama-era Iran deal. But negotiations have been mostly fruitless, thank heaven, even by democratic standards. One of the key sticking points for the Iranian regime is an action taken by Trump that critics have called, quote, a poison pill, unquote. Listing the IRGC, which includes the Quds Force, once headed by General Qasim Soleimani, as a foreign terrorist organization with all the ramifications and sanctions thereof. Iran has demanded that Biden and Blinken remove the foreign terrorist designation from its militant branch responsible for the violence and murder all over the world before any negotiation can continue. And now, uh, Democratic politicians like Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut have encouraged Biden administration to drop the foreign terrorist designation. Well, in this instance, just to jump ahead, the Israeli intelligence service, commonly known as the Mossad, stepped up to the plate, launching a daring mission inside Iran itself that ultimately saved the life of the American general, as well as the Israeli diplomat and the French journalist, and probably to protect Biden and his disastrous negotiation. Um, now, on June 22nd of 1982, then-Senator Joe Biden threatened to cut off aid to Israel. And at that time, Prime Minister Menachem Begin forcefully 
responded. Oh, and I wish how this 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 just echoes. When I read it, just let it echo across the airways. Repeat it, because what Menachem Begin said, he said, "Don't threaten us with cutting off your aid. It will not work. I am not a Jew with trembling knees. I am a proud Jew with 3,700 years of civilized history." Nobody came to our aid when we were dying in the gas chambers and ovens. Nobody came to our aid when we were striving to create our country. We paid for it. We fought for it. We died for it. We will stand by our principles. We will defend them. And when necessary, we will die for them again, with or without your aid. God bless Israel. With that said, let's bring on our guest, who thankfully is calling us a little early. I want to welcome onto the show Colonel Calvin Wimbish, running for Congress out of Florida District 10, I believe, correct? Curtis, do we have him? I've unmuted him. Yes, we got me. Can you hear me now? Yep, we got you now. Yeah. Okay. You can unmute him your phone. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm just honored to once again uh, come on the show with you all. You definitely are a voice that we all need to hear and understand how desperate our nation needs strong leadership in a time of uh, where people are so confused and a ball of confusion, both at home and abroad. With everything that's happening, it makes me even more determined to run for this race down here in Orange County, District 10 in Florida, where Val's out in Cal is in, and I'll tell the people I'm the opposite of Val that we're going to stop the hell because right now <laughs> the decisions that we've made are really hurting everybody, especially under the economy, especially on education of our kids and all of this divisiveness, and then uh, energy independence is, is definitely suffering. Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I, I always said, and I did not vote for Jimmy Carter, um, yeah. I always said he was the worst president ever. Well, then we had President Obama. Uh, and I said, oh, well, I never thought anyone could be worse than Jimmy Carter. And now <laughs> we have Biden, who has actually made Jimmy Carter look conservative. <laughs> so, I, I just, Absolutely. how much further down this rabbit hole are we going to go? Well, I hope not very much further, because... Until we stop this burn that's happening, and you know he's just Bernie Sanders in a different uh, uh, body, but his attitude and everything that's happening with our nation is definitely what Bernie Sanders was trying to project and try to win if he had became president. And all Biden is doing is executing what Bernie didn't do from the day that he got into office and uh, basically destroyed every executive order and every effort that the President Trump tried to make Bring make our country great again to reduce all the uh, rules that were hurting our economy. Uh, got coal um, mines going again, and West Virginia's really got happy that Hillary didn't win. Got our oil prices down, where barrel of uh, crude oil when uh, President Trump was there was around forty-four dollars. Now it's over a hundred dollars, back and forth between ninety-eight and a hundred dollars. And then we have the worst GDP ever this week at a one-point-four percent drop. I mean, how much more do the people have to suffer to realize that there's a lot of rhetoric and talk, and yet no action? And the borders are so wide open, all you had to do is finish that few uh, hundred miles of 
a few extra miles of the, of the border fence, but now all the, the terrorists that really are in the nation waiting to spot our next 9-11 are here. They've already just came in with droves from around the world. They're all a position that, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but somebody's going to make a call, and next thing you know, all the cartels that have happened, all the illegal things are happening. I'm going to tell them, execute. And there's going to be crime beyond our wildest expectations. It's bad enough we got people who are already in the country making the crime level go up. But God forbid all of us who are constitutional carry uh, gun holders and believe in the Second Amendment, we're going to have to defend ourselves because it's not even safe to walk down the street. Yeah, and I mean, in my state alone, we're trying to get the constitutional carry. We managed recently just to get the open carry, and I got to tell you, uh, the the day after it was went into law, I was hosting my Tea Party meeting, and I walked in there with my off-duty strapped openly, and I said, "Folks, you can now do this." <laughs> so <laughs> I was proud. I said, that, "That's it." That's it. And I even actually went to the gun range on Wednesday. It's a new range I've never been to before. So I pull out my ID. I start to pull out my concealed carry permit because I don't need that. Just your ID. I says, I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is what we have to do. You're doing what every citizen uh, has the right to do. And, you know, I was was just remembering how smart our founders were and what they were doing their best to create and establish for us uh, to give us the right to defend. That Second Amendment, people read it incorrectly. But when you think about the fact that I need to watch out for my kids, watch out for my neighbors, and watch out for myself, when there are people that boldly walk into your community, boldly walk uh, up to your front door, and whether you're at home or not, just think it's okay for them to take from you because they refuse to be um, stand-up Americans, work for a living, and they just want to steal, rob, and cheat versus be honorable and respectful and follow the the basic rules of life. I mean, you would think that God is out of everything, including their personal lives. Now, we've all been through tough times, as I tell many of the constituents that I've talked to who are still upset because their lives are really not going the way they want. But many of the people that I'm talking to right now, and especially in my, my district, that incidentally back on April 22nd was realigned. And it's actually taken away a significant chunk of the district that I thought would be mine that Val Demings once had to a district that is a little bit more spread out because they did um, shut down a couple of districts where Democrats had been uh, heavily uh, inundated and now those areas are mine to develop and grow. And so I'm out there knocking on the doors every day. And, and one of the first things I asked them, I said, are you happy with the economy and the cost of food and the price of, of uh, your gasoline or your rent? Rent's uh, going up. The wages are staying the same, but everything else is elevated. Where you, the shelves are getting uh, lighter with everything. And we all know what's happened with even mothers with uh, baby uh, infant milk. And yet people say, well, it's going to get better, but how much longer are you going to wait till it's so bad that a dollar, which is probably worth about 50 cents on a dollar, will be worth 25 cents on a dollar, and you're going to be paying three-quarters more and trying to get ahead or stay ahead. But your, your income, your wages are not going to improve. 
then I heard this uh, press secretary for the president say, oh, let's get another job. Uh, eat hamburger, eat hot dog while she's out eating steak. Give me a break. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but people don't understand. Uh, yeah, you may get that uh, wage increase, but the dollar itself devalues. So that dollar, which may be worth 80 cents today, will probably be worth 50 cents tomorrow. So you may have the little figure in your bank that says, oh, I've got all this money. But the value of that money, what it purchases, its purchasing power, has been diminished so badly, it doesn't matter how much of a wage increase. Unless you win the million-dollar lotto, uh, it ain't going to make a dent. It's not going to make a dent. This is a fallacy. What happened this week? With the, with the uh, Wall Street and with the stock market plunging so terribly, there was a statistic that was shown across most of the, the I can say, the networks that tell the truth. Uh, I was looking across several of them. Inflation in America, 2022 versus 21, gas was up 48% gasoline. If you wanted to get a used car or even a truck, 35% up. Airline fares, obviously, 23% because they have to pay more for their gas, and Biden wants to get rid of all the fossil fuels. Hello, electric jetliners. We'll wait and see when that happens. And then the furniture and bedding and the staples that people need, up 16%, and food is up 10%. That was just through this week. And today we announced that the gasoline prices are highest ever. I think in the average cost of state, I believe they said this morning, $4.49. But uh, will be unto to those in California, um, close to about five and a half, six dollars for regular gas. Yeah, it, it, it's pure insanity. I mean, I was telling the listeners earlier that before Trump lost the election, I filled my car up at a dollar sixty-nine, and I went yes, past the ma'am. gas station yesterday, <laughs> and it was four oh six. Uh, you're talking about Ooh. just a little over a year, and all of a sudden. But you saw it immediately rise. As soon as they declared Biden the winner, that's immediately when the gas prices jumped up. He wasn't even in Mm -hmm. office yet, and you saw the increase, because the market knew what he was going to do. I mean, if if you invested any money in any stock, just let it sit there, because if we get Trump back in or another conservative in the office of the president, the stocks will return. Well, I I say let's take the word if out of our vocabulary, those of us who know that America can be great, and I'm not going to say great again. I'm going to say greater than ever before. Instead of having a a tidal wave or or a big red wave, let's have a tsunami across the nation. I and other former Patriot uh, servicemen, I'm a former Green Beret, as most of our listeners might recall, I did 33 years total time between active guard reserve, been to South Korea, Iraq, Afghanistan, got a bronze star. And you know what? People like me didn't go just because we wanted to go get shot at. We were willing to step up and go into harm's way to protect this nation from having the evils that are coming in from around the world. And in fact, it's really just evil versus good. I I think it was um, Booker T. Washington one said something so profound that I believe if most people go back and look at history between him and, and Frederick Douglass, who were slaves, who had the mindset that most Americans, especially black Americans like us, ought to have, he said something that is quoted, a lie doesn't become truth, 
Wrong does become right, and evil doesn't become good just because it's accepted by the masses. Unfortunately, in today's world, the lie is becoming the truth. Exactly like what happened when Frederick Douglass was out there, the House and the Senate and the Supreme Court was all for keeping slavery in vote. It created the foundation that Lincoln had to take to bring harmony back to a nation. It's like in the House, and you got... You agree on one thing and I disagree on the other, we're going to fight about it. But it took Frederick Douglass along with Abraham Lincoln to get thousands of colors to join the Union Army to stop the slavery and to break free from those chains. Fast forward to today, why are many people thinking we're still enslaved? And I think what Booker T. Washington said is they're so believing in the lie, they forget that they have the ability to choose not to accept it but to rise up on their own because God gave us the ability to make a choice between right and wrong, to be too good and not to do so good. I've had it tough, and a lot of people out there have had it tough. But you know what they say about when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. We need to start getting going tough on ourselves in America. We need to come together and stop this divisiveness, get rid of CRT, teaching kids how to hate again. That's what slavery was all about. And we gotta, we're trying to re-enslave ourselves where our nation is going to be a slave state. You know, not only that, they're brainwashing these kids with this also gendered fluidity. I mean, the kid is five years old. Uh, they'd rather mm-hmm. be playing out in the sandbox than wondering whether or not they were actually born a boy or a girl. I mean, the human brain oh. is not sexually developed until 27. And by the time most kids hit the age of 18, graduating from high school, they'll decide whether or not they're heterosexual or they're oriented elsewhere. But only a small mm-hmm. portion, less than 1%, will decide that they're not heterosexual. But yet they're brainwashing these kids, telling them you can't trust your parents, and if, you, if you're five or six years old and you want to be called a cat, I'll call you a cat. You give me a different name, and you tell me you're not a little girl, you're a little boy, or you're a penguin. I will reaffirm that. But we're not going to tell your parents. Your parents are bad. They don't understand you. I do. Give me a break. Well, it's it's those people who are professing this. I say to them, God must have loved you that your mom and dad didn't avoid you at the beginning. As you're saying, it's okay. And they didn't try to confuse you before you understood who you were and what you were, that out of God created man and then he created woman, and out of the both came the children. And whether the children grew up to be obedient and, and uh, loving, in fact, I was thinking as you were speaking about Ephesians 6, where children obey your parents and the Lord, uh, for this is right. Honor your mother and father, which is the first commandment, with a promise so that it may go well with you throughout your life. How many have forgotten that or never got taught that? Or they don't want to believe it anymore. Where is God? They say, well, if you don't even try to read the Bible and understand what the ancestors of the, and the writers had foretold, we can prevent ourselves from going down this rabbit hole again in life. But there's always the, the devil is a liar. And again, it's good, good versus evil. And too, too many people who are evil in their culture and nature about what the life has not been for them are now in the control. Lindsey Graham said it's all about power and that's exactly oh, yeah. what we're facing. 
and the power is in control, and they're running us down this rabbit hole. Uh, parents are being told they're domestic terrorists, which we know is untrue. They go to the school boards. Well, I'm telling them right now on the campaign, mothers and fathers, if you really love it, you run for the school board. We need to have the, the grassroots get the ground truth people in those positions of leadership from the counties all the way up to the Washington, D.C. Congress will get better if the people at the grassroots level would band together for the good of themselves, their families, and this nation and take hold of those positions of decision-making. You can't legislate lies, but unfortunately, we've watched it happen, and I, I, I met two young people from Venezuela who came here, and they're here on a solemn looking for an opportunity, and the first thing is that we don't want America to be like the country we had to run away from. They had to leave their mother behind. They're living here with their uncles. But they came, in, came here legally, and they're waiting for their visas. But they said if they were willing to go through those trials and tribulations, what's wrong with the Americans who are already here? I went, hello, I could have had a V8. They're saying things that we should be seeing already. Yeah, you know, it's, you, you said so much in just a short moment. But, uh, wow, because when you were talking about, you know, not recognizing God, uh, my sister and I were sitting out on the front deck last Saturday, and we both at the same moment leaned back, looked up at the sky, the blue southern sky. Now, folks, Mm-hmm. Unless you, you you live down here, you're not going to understand just how brilliantly blue and beautiful that southern sky is. And yes, I is. looked at her and says, if, if you just simply look up at the sky, or and I pointed to a flower that was blossoming right next to her face, or that flower, how can you deny God exists? Because only that you, you beauty and creation can be done by his hand. And that's well, the whole thing. They want us to take away that wonder, that awe, that beauty, that innocence, that mm. freedom, that freedom. They want to take it away because they are so unhappy. The only pleasure they get is causing us misery, to control and take the power away from us and then yeah, cause well, we, us to work for them. Well, we can all regain the power. Like I tell folks here, here and where I'm living here in Orange County, Florida, you need to go to my website, for example, votecal2022.org. And I tell people, why why you say vote cow? Because C in my name means I'm a Christian conservative, I'm a constitutionalist, and I have common sense. The trials and tribulations of the past make me make sure that that A in my name means America first. People don't know, because they haven't gone where I've been, in countries where women are not respected. Girls are not even allowed to finish middle school, let alone high school, before they're being mothers. There are cruel and unjust systems that exist. And if people don't realize how blessed they are to be an American, something's wrong with their education. They're not teaching history. They're teaching social, get along with society. That's okay. But you've got to understand the true history. And when we deny the education that our students need and they keep learning nonsense, then they'll walk up as, wake up as adults, not knowing which way is up. And they'll find their way fighting unnecessarily about things that they can control better. You don't have to go to college. There's a, I have a friend who's a, a mechanic, 
and he's making over $100,000, didn't go to college, but he applied the skills and knowledge, and he put his head to the grindstone. Many people can do that versus waiting for the government to bail them out on things that they reasonably can do. There are many people who, are, who can't, can't work because of a physical, emotional, or mental issue. Okay, we'll deal with that. But we also need a, uh, our medical system to take, take care of the people. They, they once had uh, clinics that could take care of those kinds of issues. Now they just let them go out on the street, and many of them harming themselves and harming one another. We've got to cease the environmental and health mandates that create some of this craziness. You know, they talk about PTSD in the military. A lot of people have PTSD just by the, the corruption that is happening in our lives, drug addiction, fentanyl. I mean, it's, it's, it's totally out of control. But I'm asking people, listen, let's get our act together. Stand up, register, go vote. If you have the ability, find out what in your particular area what positions that you should try and go and run for those offices. Put your name on a ballot. Don't stand on the sidelines. That's why we're in a bad place right now with the electoral, because too many people stood on the sidelines and allowed our country to get into this wokeness that has to come out. We need to shake ourselves out of this nightmare and to wake up. And the only way it's going to happen is in all the elections that are going to occur this year. Yeah, well, in a, in a few weeks here in South Carolina, we're going to be having our primary, and uh, we've we've got a good candidate challenging Nancy Mace uh, and Katie Arrington. Nancy Mace. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Nancy Mace is like she talked a good game when she was campaigning, but then once she got in, mm-hmm. uh, she turned she so wishy-washy. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. you know a lot of the constituents are really upset, and so I think I'm. I'm my fingers, of course, that Katie takes that seat, um, but that you have to become involved. And I've always said it, and many other people have also echoed the same thing, that politics is, starts locally. Everything starts yeah, locally. So what you're not a parent, you're paying your taxes to the school district. So you have, you have something in the game. So I wasn't blessed with children. But I, I do attend the school board meetings. I, st- I do make my voice heard because what they, what they produce out of that school system comes to live in your local neighborhood. And that person, whether they turned out well because they were educated very well or they turned out poorly educated, poorly educated, they're going to be a burden to the system. They're going to be a burden to mm-hmm. you because they're going to be unable to work because they don't have those skills. And then... If they get upset and angry, what happens? They become a criminal problem to us. So what you turn out of that school district will be the quality of your neighborhood, good or bad. So unless you have skin in the game, and you do when you pay your taxes, you've got to get your voice heard. And we've we've got to. Amen. (laughs) So I I, I I was just going to say you 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 were you were you were nailing it on the head. In fact. I want the, the world to know I've, I've, I've made a contract with the people here. Number one, I'm not going to Congress for the money. Like I said, I've come from a long way of going from nothing to something, but it wasn't because someone gave it to me. I was willing to work. I was able to get my knuckles scraped, and yes, I joined the military, but I, when I came out of the military, I went into corporate, 
I was able to find my way, took transferable skills, which we all have, but we have to choose the know-how and where and when to use them. But my contract in America basically says this, the people come first. I will defend the Constitution of the United States. I swore on an oath that never lie, cheat, or steal, always protect and defend this Constitution from all enemies, both foreign and domestic. I will end government intrusion in our lives, as we're finding. The, the federal government doesn't have or should not have the power over the, as the Constitution says, over the states. Let's get the states' rights back. If it means giving the Department of Education a rest and, and shut it down, return that educational control back to the states. We need to let that happen. Close, close and defend our sovereign borders. Northern, southern, coastal, we need to stop letting anything and everything come in. If you want to come in America, come through the front door. Knock on it. Go through the process that really makes us a winning country. It's great that everybody wants to be here. Education, that, that school choice be that of the mother and father. If the school is failing, pull the child out of the school, let the money go with the child, and let them find a place. Even if it means homeschooling, that money needs to flow with the child. Parental rights and education their children is so key. And support our law enforcement and our military. Fund them appropriately and properly. We are not the anti-persons that want to control our society. We're trying to defend and protect us from those who are evil in nature. Pro-life from the creation until God calls us home. That's my faith. That's my belief. And then fiscal responsibility in terms of how we spend money. It's one thing to help the world, but take care of your family first. America, we need to take our tax dollars and make sure Americans are taken care of. Get the homeless off the streets. And then as far as uh, the standing with our, our allies like Israel, I'm against anti-Semitism. And I'm for the Abraham Accord. But not just that. I'm for peace amongst all of our brethren and sisters because we were created in God's image, not in his color, not in his race or his national origin or what country his ancestors came from. Let us get with the program. I love America, and I want Americans to start loving America again. And I'm grateful that you and C.S. Bennett and your voices are being heard and keep don't ever come off the air because people need to hear the truth. Well, I got to tell you that uh, in this show page, and we get a lot of hits in the archives. Uh, if people were to click on your name, Calvin Wimbish, it'll take them directly to your campaign website. So even if they don't live in the state of Florida, they can help boost your campaign, even $5. Or send Amen. that your website to someone living in Orange County in Florida and say, hey, listen, I like this guy. What do you think? You're going to vote for him? You know, get your name out there. You know, let, let, let it be a bucket brigade of truth to get people out there to share your site and make a donation to you. Thank you so much. That's votecal2022.org. And even people that aren't in my county are already lending their support. They say, I cannot vote for you, but I can sure support you. Well, first of all, I need to <laughs> Hi, Curtis, you had a question. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, one of our greatest challenges, as you know, is um, getting those people that we know on the left, I'm talking about family members and friends, get them out of that mindset of being a victim, because I think mm-hmm. that's what's keeping them on the plantation today. 
the, the left yeah. is good yeah. at, at, at making people feel that they're victim. Matter of fact, everybody under the Democrat umbrella is a victim. You know, if you really look at it, they all have been disenfranchised or this or that and the other. And me, I try to tell them the truth to open their eyes. Amen. Especially those who so-called woke, they need to be awakened. And the yes, way I sir. do is yes, light on some truth. Um, what are what are some of the things you think we can do to help um, them realize that they they're being played, that they are being used, that they are being um, played like pawns in a chess game or a checker game? What are some of your ideas we can use to um, get people to realize they're not victims? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one of the things that uh, at least personally I'm trying to do, I'm holding uh, many town halls across the county. I'm inviting people to come in and let's talk. Let's have a dialogue. Let me understand what is it that you believe is deceiving you or have deceived you and that you feel like you can't move uh, out of there state of uh, life and lack of pursuit of happiness because there are avenues problem is do they really want to understand that choices are really ours when we look in the mirror every day you chose rather to brush your teeth comb your hair and and put your clothes on and go out or you just said well it's not worth it i'm just going to sit down and get a stimulus check we have to change that attitude because the stimulus checks are going to run out when they keep printing money and there it turns out that the money has nothing behind it, just like our Social Security system. It's all based on IOUs. You take money out, but you never put anything back in it. We've got to educate our people, not only in, in middle schools and high schools, but adults. We need to go into the community. We need to publicize. We need to go out and, and, uh, and speak to the churches. For example, I'm going to the churches. Every Sunday I'm going to different churches. I was just recently blessed by the conservative ministers of Orange County have just endorsed me. And their blessing is going to touch possibly 127 or more churches throughout this great uh, county that I'm living here in Florida. And I'm hopefully if that the congregation can hear the truth and realize that we can do this. We all said, you know, as Martin Luther King says, when we could all come together and put our hands together and say free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we're free at last, we can do it again. But it's a matter of having the internal fortitude, having the faith that we can do this. Uh, you know, we can continue to let the media and the media that has really given us the wrong information too often to drive us to be uh, less than forthgoing in our efforts to be better men and women. We have to just make that become a norm and not the exception in our lives. You know, um, we have now, um, Mayorkas wants to put together this truth ministry, uh, Shades of mm. 1984, uh, and yes. finally heard some conservative voices in Congress saying, well, if they're going to do that, we're just going to cut funding so they're not going to be able to open the door. Why can't we just do that across the board and start cutting funding on all these agencies that act as if they have the full power of law enforcement? They're agencies that have regulations, but they're, they're hitting people with criminal and financial penalties that is outrageous. Our government has become tyrannical. 
can you help pull back the reins? Yeah. Well, this 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 election that uh, our primary is coming up on August twenty third. Come November, across the nation, we can help change that because the control that's in Congress by the Democrats are denying the will of the people to have the opportunity and the right to move forward out of this gutter that we've got ourselves into. So I'm, I'm just prayerful, but I'm begging people out there to please support your local candidates who want to turn this economy around. They want to first get our energy independence back. We need to get those pipelines back up. We need to get fracking going again. We need to get those coal mines in West Virginia working again. We were uh, mining coal, and we were developing systems that we, when we used coal, it was clean coal. But two-thirds of the rest of the world is not using, including Russia, China, parts of Africa, in fact, most of Africa, the Middle East. And so why are we trying to do for all the world what each country in the world ought to be doing as well? But knowledge is powerful. In education, i got to keep repeating that. That is going to be the key. And we're right now, we're lagging way behind some countries that are eating our lunch when it comes to technology, when it comes to understanding just simple math and mathematics and science. I mean, look at some of these countries that we never thought would be sending rockets to the moon, let alone, uh, not rockets to the moon, but rockets into space and launching satellites. I mean, they're doing it right now, and some of the countries we look down on are now at, at par with us. If we don't watch it, we're going to be on the edge of another world war, worrying about these, these skirmishes and not doing the right things right. Well, we're on the edge of war right now with what's going on in Ukraine, and now Russia's threatening uh, Finland. If Finland decides to uh, mm-hmm. join NATO, uh, you're, you're seeing it all over the place that our enemies, Taiwan, did um, over mm-hmm. last weekend, did massive maneuvers around Taiwan. And I just read an article uh, about Boussad protecting the life of one of our, our generals that was stationed in Germany, going out and stopping the assassination plot. They are... are Stepping forward, you have North Korea launching uh, missiles again. Uh, you've got Iran, you know, sending out assassins against the, the French, yes. the Israelis, and us. So we have opened the door by electing the weakest president I have ever seen in my ever. life. And if I say we can't get any worse, I think we can. If we keep on going down this yeah. road, and we've got to, we've got to take this yeah. nation back, and we've got to do it now, this off off election year. You know that we have to, because we cannot make it. And if we can do that in this um, midterm elections, we can stop the 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 hurt that the current administration and all the cronies that are currently in power. We can shut down passing of stupid legislation. We can undo some of the damage. We can get our border fixed. We can get energy back up and running. We, and they won't be able to block it. But we have to take control of the House and the Senate in order to do that. And he can veto all day, but we can override the vetoes. And before 2024, we'll probably be in a much better position of returning to sanity because this is insane to believe that the route we're going 
that we're going to make it. We're not. We're already in recession, but no one wants to say it on the news. And if we have another quarter like this last quarter, a negative drop, we're definitely in it. And if it goes a third quarter, hello, uh, recession goes to depression. I don't want that to see. I don't want our Christmas to be destroyed. So we all have to get up, get up and vote and do the right things right. Absolutely, absolutely. Because I do remember the recession of the 70s, the gas lines, uh, the rationing. It, it was not fun, not fun in the least bit. No. And some of these listeners may not have been born back then, but this is where we're heading if we're not looking out. Uh, right now, you can't get baby formula. Why? Because the largest manufacturer was shut down and mm-hmm. they refused to send the inspectors back to re-certify the, the plant. And now we have American children suffering, infants, toddlers suffering because they can't get the correct formula. Where's the formula? Oh, gee, it's at the border at these illegal alien camps. Uh, excuse me, no, no, yes. no. You send the illegal aliens back over the border, back to home where they belong. That formula is made in America for American babies. Take America yeah. first, and that's the whole thing. They're not making America first or tending to America first. We have to also have whatever you write a law, Congress writes a law, show us where in the Constitution it gives you the power to enact that specific law. Show us where it's one of those enumerated powers dictated by our founding fathers, and wisely so. If it's not, then you can't pass it. You throw it in the garbage. If you can't put it on a single page, no more than two pages, you can't pass it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Keep it simple right. stupid. <laughs> we need to bring that, that phrase back a lot because there's a lot of stupidity right now in the, in the hands of those who have power. And uh, you, you actually stole exactly what I was going to say about the formula. It's sad that it's sitting in warehouses and do not take and they're holding it to, to give to the illegals. All babies need to be nourished. But when I'm looking at the, what's uh, happening right now, the shortages that are showing all over the news networks, uh, and it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, the mothers can't get what they need, and you have these suppliers um, behind the scenes that Americans don't know for months were being told not, not to ship it to the stores, but the government under this... Uh, well- this terrorist regime has uh, been stockpiling it to handle made it these illegals and giving them cell phones on top of that. Yeah, Calvin, well, we're going to have to have you back. I've got my next guest up in the bullpen, okay. He's a dear friend of ours. But people can go to uh, VoteCal 2022. Uh, you're running for Florida District 10. I wish you good luck. And you know, you just pick up the phone <laughs> and we'll have you back on. <laughs> Uh, all right, right. vocal2022.org, O-R-G. Thank you so much. God bless yeah. you. And for, thank you for what you continue to do. And I'll, right, I'll see you Monday much. in uh, Pensacola. All right. Yes, I'll be up there, Jess. I'm going to be up there on Monday with Mama B and uh, for the premier screening of the uh, systemic um, de- deception, the awakening. And I'm just proud to be there as one of her special guests. All right. We'll talk right. then. Thank All right, you. God uh, bless Colonel Calvin, Colonel Calvin Winbesh, just go to the show description, click on his name, and it'll take you to his campaign site. But we've got uh, the other love of my life <laughs> on the phone. 
our friend over at the Epoch Times, or Epic Times as we call it, uh, Mark Tapscott. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you doing? Hi, Annie. How are you all? All right. We we gave you a time off, so it's been a little yeah. while since you've been back fine. on. Well, I'm back, set and settle, and ready to go. <laughs> Well, you had a, an article of just just a couple of days, no, yesterday, yesterday in the uh, Epic Times about this the Democrat, Val Demings. And I do believe she is dis- District 10 that Calvin's running against. I believe he's running against her, right? Uh, you know, I I hadn't thought of that, but I think you're right. Yeah, she is the 10th District of um, Florida. Yeah. So now she, she's got an ethics complaint, and I was kind of like laughing at this one. You know, talking about having your cake and eat it too at the same time. Tell us what, what what she did, and what was wrong with what she did. Well, very simply, what she what she did was <clears throat> she uh, took advantage of the uh, uh, measure that that Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi instituted back at the beginning of the pandemic to allow members of Congress um, to not have to be physically present on the floor of the House or in committee meetings. Um, they could participate virtually. And Demings decided that, well, if I can participate virtually in a congressional hearing, there's no reason why I can't also participate virtually in a campaign meeting. And as it happened, um, this was a Congress, a subcommittee hearing of, or no, it was a House Judiciary Committee meeting uh, back in April. She was present for that virtually. At the same time, and it appears from the video that she was sitting in her car or a car, uh, she was uh, present <clears throat> at a campaign event in Duval County in the 10th District. And she apologized to her campaign supporters that. You know, she had to keep an eye on the hearing and vote whenever her name was called. Um, so she, you know, she's there at both of them. She accomplished the impossible. She was in two places at once, um, virtually, not physically, but um, there you go. Well, it turns out, according to the Foundation for Accountability and Civic Trust, which is a nonprofit government watchdog group, uh, doing that violated both the 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 rule that Pelosi put in allowing virtual attendance because that was only supposed to be in connection with if you have COVID or you've been exposed to it. So she she was virtually at the hearing um, for reasons other than having to do with COVID. And it also violated the longstanding rules in the House and the Senate that you cannot use an official proceeding or official resources for a campaign event. So facts filed a complaint with the uh, House Ethics Committee, and we'll see what happens. The Ethics Committee is made up of four members from the Republican Party and four from the Democratic Party. So since it's evenly split, um, it's not often that they actually – take action, but we'll see in this case. Well, now, if they do find against her, does that nullify nullify any vote she made? Oh, no, no, no. If a vote is cast, it's it's counted. That's a shame. It should, it should actually nullify it. 
you know, if you, if you broke the rules, you should, then it was as if you were not even here then, right? Well, you could make that case, and you could also make the case that uh, if you take away a vote just because a, a member <laughs> does something ill-advised, you're depriving the um, uh, constituents that the member represents from being represented. Um, you know, you can make the argument on both sides. Well, you know, what is this? Uh, I quote this one also. Uh, it was up on the Epic Times um, about Fauci receiving something like three hundred fifty million dollars in royalties. I mean, we knew this guy is as crooked as they come, and I've always said long long before before people talked about COVID being from China, so that he was involved in that lab. Um, and there's a lot of large names that were involved in funding that lab. But how the heck is he getting, and where is he getting it from, this $350 million payout? Well, it's it's actually worse than that. I mean, if it was all $350 million going just to Fauci, you know, that's one person. As it is, it's not just going to Fauci. Um, Dr. Francis Collins, who for 12 years until this past December uh, was the director of NIH and technically Fauci's direct superior, um, and an unknown number, but it's certainly in the hundreds uh, of NIH scientists and, and researchers, medical scientists and researchers, uh, who received these uh, royalty payments. Presumably, most of them came from pharmaceutical firms because, you know, that's one of the major things that, that NIH does is research on, on treatment. Um, there may have been others. One of the problems is that uh, NIH refuses to disclose the specific names uh, of the countries, the companies making the, uh, making the payments. Um, they do, pub, you know, they do provide a... Uh, uh, summary of the totals, but they don't break it out, and that's 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 a real problem. So it, well, it's isn't not that a huge conflict of interest? I was just going to say, isn't that a huge conflict of interest? Here you are, you're a regulatory branch of the government, um, you're a government employee, and you're charged with screening and investigating and testing the pharmaceuticals that are coming out of Lord knows what countries uh, to make sure they're safe for distribution in the United States, but you're making a monetary investment in the very same company you should be investigating, testing, and screening. Well, I'll tell you, Annie, it's, it's in, in many respects, at least as far as um, I can tell to this point, this, this has all the appearance of a classic illustration of how government bureaucracies um, become incestuous with the industries that they're supposedly regulating. Um, you, you have these, these pharmaceutical companies that work with the NIH. The NIH sets up and funds uh, clinical trials of, you know, things that they are investigating as possible uh, medications for a particular situation. Um, and then based on the clinical trials, the NIH may fund additional clinical trials to expand the testing 
Um, and, and it is. It, it is a situation that is just rife with the possibility of uh, conflicts of interest because, you know, NIH scientist A <clears throat> may be absolutely committed to, for whatever reason, uh, one particular approach that's being funded by NIH for clinical trials, while another approach that does not happen to have an NIH scientist behind it, but which, for all we know, may actually do better than the thing that is being trialed, gets nothing. So um, <laughs> here we are again. If uh, you you uh, get in right with the uh, get in with the right people in government, the right bureaucrats, um, you can make things happen that benefit yourself immensely. You know, we've turned around to our elected officials and say, well, you have to divest yourself of anything that may show conflict of interest, Nancy Pelosi. Um, But government employees should have to have that same standard, too, shouldn't they? Well, they do. They do. And that's that's what makes this so amazing to me. The federal ethics guidelines or restrictions that apply to career civil servants, and most of these people in NIH um, are career civil servants. They are precluded from participating in any matter, in any way, that creates, and I'm quoting now, an actual or the appearance of an actual conflict of interest. And and there was a hearing Wednesday where the acting NIH director um, a gentleman named Tabak was asked by Congressman John Molinier of, of Michigan, you know, you've got these companies that get money, millions and millions of dollars from NIH, and then they're sending it back to the people at NIH in the form of royalties. That looks like the very essence of a conflict of interest. And Tabak's response was, again, classic bureaucrat. Well, Congressman, I can see how that could have the appearance of a conflict, but maybe this is something that we can work together on. Well, what, what does that mean, work together on it? Are you going to work together to eliminate the royalties, or are you going to work together to uh, conceal them? You know, it's classic <laughs> Washington bureaucracies. Yeah, it, it, you sometimes think that people – we are just too trusting in our government, and I think we have to go back to the basic principles our founding fathers had is question everything. And that's why I love the newspaper that you work for, the Epoch Times or the Epic Times, which is why I get the hard copy in my mailbox as well as getting it on my smart devices. And I, You guys delve into these issues, break it down so that we can absolutely understand it and see why it's good or why it's bad. And I, I love reading your stuff. You know I have for years. So, you know, yeah. you should be blushing yeah, now. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that, Annie. And I'll t- I, I, I just want to tell you something. Um, I don't think I've mentioned this before, but when I was just starting out as a journalist uh, here in D.C., I worked for a man at the Washington Times, a guy named Wes Pruden, who was the managing editor. He was from Arkansas. He had been the editor of the um, um, 
a national observer, which was a big national competitor to the Wall Street Journal at one time. And Wes was a grizzled old school journalist. And Wes taught me, he said, get it first, but first get it right. And that stuck with me. And, you know, if, if all journalists operated with that conviction, get it first, but first get it right, um, Americans would maybe have their respect for uh, people in the media restored. Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, it's like I even had to turn off Newsmax last night because it was more opinion and then campaigning for certain people rather than telling me what the news is. And uh, this is what we're sorely, sorely lacking, getting the actual news and not opinion. Um, because you guys just really rip the story open and, and bring in the facts. Um, you've also been running some articles about the election that we we have been saying should be contested, investigated, audited. Uh, and a lot of new stuff has been breaking in your paper about this. Uh, right now you have the Democratic uh, Michigan election chief that said uh, that the movie Dinesh D'Souza just put out is really, you know, it, it's, it's not telling the true story. These are just standard election practices that he exposes. Excuse me? I, I didn't say anything. I was just clearing my throat. I'm losing my voice again. I'm talking too much. <laughs> oh, man. You always lose it when you come on my show. Uh, I'm, have to send I'm you a sorry. big box I'm, of lemon drops. Yeah, or maybe let's do the show at 830 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no one wants to see me with the bedhead climbing <laughs> onto the radio. <laughs> Well, listen, that, you, met, you mentioned the Michigan Secretary of State um, and yeah. her, her response to the um, 2000 Mules movie that Dennis D'Souza uh, put together. That's, that movie, I, I'll, I'll tell you, Annie, that, is, that may be the most uh, devastating assessment of the 2020 election that we'll ever see because um, Catherine Engelbright of True the Vote, who is at the center of the movie, uh, her group came up with a way of um, tracking the people who were stuffing the ballot boxes. Um, that's the mules that are referred to in the, in the title um, by tracking their cell phones. And when you do that, lo and behold, they found thousands of examples of individuals who would go to a left-wing activist group um, uh, headquarters and collect ballots. Nobody knows who filled out the ballots. Nobody knows how they were obtained. Nobody knows whether they were actual individual certified votes, but they collect all of those, and then they go often in the dead of night, one or two o'clock in the morning, um, and dump them into these um, ballot boxes that were set up out in public all over the place for early voting. They had videos on them, so many of these folks who were doing this 
They're actually on video doing it. They frequently showed up when they were putting these things uh, in the ballot boxes uh, with hoodies on. (laughs) You know, um, what does that do? That conceals your identity. So it is is a bombshell of a movie, and I hope everybody listening will, will see it. Yeah, we were supposed to see it last weekend, but our friend that tried downloading or signing up for it just couldn't quite get his smart device to work. So we're going to try again this weekend to try. And we have we had a whole mess of people come together to watch it together. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, bring friends, bring family uh, if you do get the movie and, and watch it. Uh, but it, it is scary because some of the other new things that are coming out, uh, Jim Holt had this in the Gateway Pundit that New Mexico audit identified features in the Dominion voting machines that allowed the ballots to be filled out by the machine itself. So you think you're voting one way, but the machine says, no, I'm programmed to, no matter how you vote, I'm putting this vote in. That's scary. Yeah. You know, one of the ironies of this, Annie, is uh, years ago, about, uh, no, I guess it was around the 2010 uh, Tea Party year, uh, there was an election in Maryland for governor that was extremely contested because the uh, Republican candidate, her name was Ellen Sauerbrey, uh to all intents and appearances had defeated an incumbent Democrat. And this is in the state of Maryland now, which is about as solidly a one-party state as you can get. And it later came out that a number of voting machines in the Baltimore area um, had been tampered with. And I was at the Washington Examiner at the time, and one of the things that uh, we discovered in the course of looking into this is we talked to a couple of college professors who were uh, experts in uh, computer voting and so forth, and they said, well, yeah, of course these machines can be compromised and they can be reprogrammed remotely there's all kinds of things that you can do to them so you know regardless of of whether you think the 2020 election was stolen or not we ought to all be concerned about determining whether or not there are things that are needed to be done to ensure honest elections in which everybody who wants to vote and who are a citizen gets to vote and we're a long way from that now we are, but I got to say, this, uh, my great state of South Carolina just recently uh, passed a voter integrity, and it's on its way over to uh, Governor McMaster's desk for his signature, which he will be signing. Um, so we're taking the first step, and one of the things that we've done, and we we had a, a actually a group of us from my specific county had gotten together and went over all the lo- election laws and the proposed legislation that was already sitting up in the House and the Senate picked out all the bad stuff and says, no, you've got to eliminate all these things, and these are the recommendations we have. And they they actually, the House and the Senate actually followed the guidelines that this group came out of my county, put together. And we were in the forefront of bringing up voter integrity, which eliminates ballot harvesting and things like that. Uh, and I, it, I keep on telling people, you've got to get involved. You may not like what the Republican Party is doing, but you can't change it unless you get in on the inside and start working on them. And when I signed up for my uh, GOP to be 
the uh, county, the uh, precinct chair, um, my former state representative asked me, she said, well, why do you want to do this? And I said, I want to swing the pendulum back to a conservative Republican Party. I want to bring it back to its roots. She got so upset with me. But in the end, we succeeded. And we, we're not going to succeed unless we get involved. Am I right, oh, that's, that is that, that is absolutely the truth. Um, you know, I mean, this country is is founded on the idea that every citizen has a right to voice their opinion without fear of, of retribution and has the right to cast a vote, a counted vote, an honestly counted vote for the candidate that they prefer. And as long as there is question about whether or not that is a reality, um, people are going to raise questions about particular elections. Let's not forget all of these folks who say questioning the 2020 results, what were they doing in 2017? Claiming that the Russians stole the 2016 election from Hillary Clinton. So there's obviously a great deal of suspicion on both sides of the political spectrum about the voting process in this country. That's serious. Yeah. Now, while we were doing the investigation in on our end here in our county, uh, we found that our Board of Elections actually takes 10% of each area and does a, a random audit and then later on goes back. Uh, we've also changed the voting machines where now you go up to the kiosk booth, you use the touch screen, you make your selection, it gives you a paper printout. You compare that paper printout, which is saying this is what you've actually voted, against what you chose. And then you take yeah. that to a separate machine across the room where it's read in on a scanner and it secures the ballot in a secure box. So the machine can be compared against the ballot. Right. And the paper ballot doesn't match, and we got a problem. And that's how they do their audit now. And we have to insist on getting our state, each, each one of you out there, find out what machines you're using and whether or not you can implement a system similar to this. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting. The, uh, the, the key to an honest election process is a credible chain of custody for ballots. And yes. when you can't document that chain of custody from the individual who casts the vote to the person who, who, who actually puts it into the machine and then who counts it and who validates the count, if you don't have a solid chain of custody at every point along that process, uh, you're going to have problems. Yes. And we've actually had in our state where Governor McMaster was able to turn over the Board of Elections and get more solid people in there with better integrity than what we've had in the past. You know, it, you have to be involved in every single level. Because when I mentioned this uh, New Mexico uh, audit, um, this guy was involved in the movie uh, 2000 Mules, uh, Nick Moseda. And he posted right. up on Twitter just a couple of days ago. He said, uh, Twitter, New Mexico audit forced Canvas 20% of the voter rolls in Ontario County. 41% of the doors canvassed had issues. 30% mm. didn't live at that address. 
and 40% of those voted in the election. 4% of the joys I knocked on were ghost votes, and 2% of the votes were canceled. Yeah. I mean, that, that those are some high numbers. Well, you know, um, I'm sure that we would find uh, numbers like that in a lot of places in this country because um, – you know, we've we've had such intensely contested elections for so long that the uh, opportunities that can come about, if your name is, for example, Mark Zuckerberg, and you've got $400 million to, um, to use to get out the vote, um, things happen. And that, you know, the evidence just keeps coming in that, that happened in 2020. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's scary. It is a scary thought. You know, um, one of the other articles that I had to be laughing over, uh, I think you and I may have talked about this at one time or other, but the House Democrats voted to allow staff, staffers to unionize. Gee, yes. we don't see a problem with that, do we? Do we? Not, no, no, there's no problem with that. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, Annie, I have to say, um, having been a, a House and a Senate staffer myself a long time ago, I'm very, very sympathetic to, to congressional staffers um, who have to work long hours. They frequently don't get paid very much. They are subject to being fired at will or for no will. And it's, it's a, it could be a very tough job. But now what happens when you give the power to negotiate to a group of people who are not accountable to anybody except the person that hired them? That's, that's an impossible situation. You cannot have uh, a credible bargaining process. And I, I think the Republicans, Congressman Rodney Davis from Illinois, um, said it very well. This is a prescription for chaos. And I, I have a feeling that uh, a couple of years from now, after they've had some experience with it, Congress is going to say from both sides of the aisle, no, this was not a good idea. <laughs> well, they're not going to be able to turn around to that staff and say, uh, go get me my latte or take my clothing to the cleaners. You know? <laughs> that yeah. staff is going, wait a minute, I'm unionized. It's not part of my union contract. Oh, yeah? Well, and, and that that's, center- Annie, that's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. What do you do? Because Congress frequently, frequently has all-night sessions when they're writing bills. And if you are a staffer at 12 o'clock at night and you're covered by a union agreement that says you don't have to work after midnight, but the bill still needs to be written, you know, who loses in that situation? The country does because the congressman doesn't have the kind of help that he or she needs in order to do a good job writing the bill. So it's it's like David said, it's it's a prescription for chaos. Mark, it is. I got a question yeah. for you. Yes, sir. Yeah, what, what is your take on Elon's um, must take over of Twitter and um, Trump's? Truth Network. Um, do you think that would add a balance to um, social media as far as the truth is concerned? Well, I guarantee you this: the um, 
the most significant thing that has happened uh, since Musk announced his intention to buy um, Twitter is I think it was yesterday I read that two top-ranking executives uh, quit for fear of what what uh, what Musk will do when he actually takes over on a day-to-day basis. I think that 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 says everything. The people who have been running Twitter have been uh, using it as a censorship tool for the left. And, you know, if a guy like Elon Musk comes in and he says, look, everybody has the right to be heard. You can't censor them. That, that is not what the left believes. The left believes that only they have the right to be heard. And all the rest of us are just supposed to shut up and do what they tell us to do. Well, we're not going to do that. I think Elon Musk buying Twitter is a, is a very positive thing. I have not followed Trump's um, stuff, so I, I really can't say much about that. I can't imagine that it wouldn't be on net uh, again for freedom of speech because the more opportunities that we all have to make our views known, the better. That's, that's what America is about. It's a free country. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, Mark, it is always fun to have you on, and we'll see you again in two weeks. I hope you enjoyed your day off when I was over in uh, Nashville at the uh, FAIR.org seminar. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed I, it, and uh, I'll talk to you in two weeks. Yeah, and I got a chance to meet Mark Meadows, too, so which, which made my day. <laughs> so, All right. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Mark Tapp's got... Check right. it out at the Epic Times, uh, theepictimes.com. Uh, it's a great paper. I highly recommend it for you to, uh, to uh, 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 what, do you, what do you say? Well, we've got our next guest, and it looks like in on the line. Let's bring in from the Heritage Foundation, the Daily Signal news producer, Virginia Allen. Welcome back to the show, Virginia. Annie, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it is so much fun. It's always fun to talk to all my guests. But uh, you especially, because the Daily Signal between the Epic Times and you is where I get a lot of good information that I start my research on before we sit down to the show. And holy cow, you know, I don't even know where even to start with you. I had pulled up a whole mess of stuff. And, uh, ah, geez, you wrote an excellent, (laughs) excellent article back in August about the Homeland Security Chief and his intentional border crisis. And you had a bunch of uh, six different things, six takeaways you had on it. And, boy, you nailed every last one on the head. Now you got to throw in this uh, truth, uh, what do you call it, truth department. Holy cow. Can this get any wackier? You know, it's, it's just wild to see these actions that are being taken by the Biden administration. We have a growing crisis at our southern border. And the fact that uh, that, that is not uh, of the utmost importance to the Biden administration, and instead they're saying we need to clamp down on truth. What, what does that mean? We need to clamp down on, on freedom of speech. I mean, that is uh, so, so in violation of Americans' constitutional rights, the freedom of speech, to think about having a, a quote-unquote disinformation board. Um, that's just egregious. And, you know, there are pressing, pressing issues that the Biden administration, whether whether it's inflation or the crisis at the border, it needs to be focused on. 
and, and instead wasting, wasting precious time and resources on something uh, like a disinformation board, which, uh, like I said, is in direct violation of Americans' constitutional rights. And uh, you know, this is just one of, one of the many issues that we have seen arise from the, the really corrupt, in many ways, Biden administration. Well, you know, how, how the heck does someone determine whether or not you're speaking the truth or not? You, you may be saying something as a satire or in joke uh, or whatever, but, you know, according to them, the Trump-Russia situation was not a hoax. It was the truth. And when we challenge that, we're not telling the truth, but they're insisting that they are. How do you determine, and when it proves to be it was a hoax, how do you undo the damage that they've done? This is such a slippery slope. You know, it really is. And that's the thing. You know, we can't, we can't trust big government or tech companies to decide what is true or is untrue. You know, there's such a fundamental need to make sure that we are furthering freedom of speech in, in its appropriate context. You know, we've been talking a lot right now at the Daily Signal about the importance of our First Amendment rights. We're always talking a lot about that, but I think especially in this season, as we're seeing so many individuals um, even taking taking to, to the streets and unfortunately taking to the homes of Supreme Court justices to protest Roe v. Wade, uh, that, that at the end of the day, it's a fundamental right to be able to protest. Freedom of speech is a fundamental right. The context of like where that takes place that's very important to consider. And it's the same thing when we're talking about um, disinformation and, and, and these sorts of things that individuals, they have a right to say what they want to say, even, even if you don't like what they're saying. You know, reading this article about your takeaways, long time ago we said from day one that the crisis at the border was deliberately manufactured. And Jim Jordan has said the same thing, that he said it's not an accident. This is deliberate. Right. Why would they yeah. do something as deliberate as this? Well, you know, at the end of the day, you'd probably have to sit down and, and ask Joe Biden himself. Certainly, I, I think maybe one of the likely reasons uh, comes down to vote um, and comes down to a, a very far-left radical message that uh, this is somehow, quote, unquote, compassion to just open the borders and swing them wide open, we know that that's simply not true. Because first off, it harms individuals who have come here legally, who have gone through that legal process, uh, it takes job opportunities away from them. Um, and then individuals who want to come to America and, and do it the right way, but uh, they're being taken advantage of by, by drug cartels and um, by individuals who are seeking to traffic them into human trafficking or uh, forced labor. These, these are not uncommon stories, and we're seeing uh, even, even young American kids. This is one of the more recent tragedies that I've learned about the crisis at the southern border. Um, young American kids are being recruited on social media to pick up these busloads of uh, illegal immigrants who are working with 
someone in the drug cartel to come to America and they pick them up on the border and then they drive them to some location. But what often happens uh, is that there is a sort of a speed chase that takes place between Border Patrol officers and these young kids who are driving these individuals in these vans or buses or trucks. And that's where we see some of these really tragic accidents happen at the southern border. So this is a situation that it harms Americans, it harms those who are trying to come to America safely, it harms those who have come to America and followed that legal process. And this, the only person, the only group that benefits from this open border policy is the drug cartel. You know, what we see is, I, I talked about this earlier in the show, um, a, a sort of like a, a web of a network between Islamic terrorism, uh, China, and the drug cartels, with all this fentanyl coming in. So it, it behooves them to do this human trafficking, because now you've got the individuals that are paying the coyotes to come across, and the coyotes said, well, the only way you're going to come across is you're going to owe me until I say you're paid off. So you're going to carry these drugs. You're going to carry these little children that are going to be sell, sold into the sex trade. We are promoting criminal activity openly. Oh, no, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what this is. And the Biden administration either doesn't care or they just totally have blinders on to this situation. Action needs to be taken right now to secure our southern border. And this is only going to get worse. And we've seen that uh, on May 23rd, there's been a policy in place that was sort of the, the tool, the last tool that Border Patrol had to turn illegal immigrants away and to keep them from flooding across the border. And it was a measure called Title um, 42. And that essentially gave Border Patrol the permission to turn those folks away on concerns of COVID-19. And so that was this this last sort of barricade, the last authority that they had to um, that uh, was put in place of the Trump administration. And some of my colleagues, they were down at the border recently and talking with Border Patrol agents who said, you know, the moment that Title 42 is lifted, that's going to lead to this massive influx of migrants flooding across the southern border. And these are Border Patrol agents who are already so swamped uh, and having to literally protest hundreds or thousands even of migrants seeking to come across the border every single day. Uh, So the situation, and so um, when I mentioned May, May 23rd, this policy is set to expire by the Biden administration on May 23rd. And so things are only going to get worse. Yeah, well, uh, FAIR.org had a a seminar recently in Nashville, and I was invited to attend. Um, And listening to all these experts, you know, former uh, head of, uh, no, the acting, really the current uh, Border Patrol Association uh, president, uh, again, listening to Mark Morgan. And when they started talking about Mayorkas and some of these local police chiefs that had to deal with uh, the immigration problems we have, that who have actually set up different programs in their cities and states to help control and process these illegal immigrants, either to return them home or to return them over to DHS for proper processing. Uh, as soon as Mayorka stepped in, the breakdown between law enforcement, enforcing the laws, and preventing 
harm to our nation and my office and Department of Homeland Security. It, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, just say by your office around Mark Morgan and watch me go out of pure red and turn red in the face. <laughs> Why do we have someone that is looking to harm our nation so badly in a position of power? He's supposed to be protecting no, really, us. He's doing the exact opposite. It really is unbelievable. I mean, just just since October, more than 940,000 migrants have been caught at the border. That's according to Border Patrol. And that's just the individuals that they have actually caught and, and turned away. So the numbers in reality are probably much, much higher. I mean, this situation is is really out of control. And the Biden administration continues to claim it's not a crisis. It's not a crisis. It's been a crisis for a very, very long time. And the thing is that this is a crisis that um, it's it's not a quick fix, right? Because individuals come into America and they come in illegally and then you end up having, uh, let's say in your child's school, there are, you know, half of the class can't speak English. So the teacher has to change lesson plans to be able to, to work with those kids and get them caught up all behind, you know, in communities, low-income communities, jobs are, are quickly taken away from legal citizens. It has far and wide reaching implications. And then, of course, there's just the crime factor uh, and the factor of drugs coming across, the amount of fentanyl that's coming over our border and how we're continually seeing a tragic, tragic increase in fentanyl deaths because of all of the drugs that are pouring across our southern border. I mean, the implications are, are far and wide. There's no excuse on behalf of the Biden administration to not take measures to not, for instance, complete the border wall. What we've seen happen in Texas is those individuals uh, have just gotten so frustrated by President Biden's lack of leadership that they said, you know what, along the Texas-Mexico border, we're going to construct our own border wall. And that's exactly what they've done. Um, they're close to finishing that. One of our colleagues, Gloria Taylor, was down there recently to see it, and I think you know it's it's a it's a testament to the leadership in Texas, but it just really highlights the need that uh, because the Biden administration isn't taking leadership on this, some states are having to take matters into their own hands. But we know that just because a state is on the border or isn't on the border for that matter, uh, that does not mean that they're not being impacted and greatly affected by illegal immigration. Right now, every state in America is a border state because right. also, as we know, the Biden administration is flying these illegal immigrants to other, other, uh, other states across the country. They're busing them to other states across the country. So this is a matter that no matter where you live, it affects us all. Yeah, well, I've, I've said this many, many times. Um, a friend of mine, Mike Cutler, uh, was a former ICE agent testified before uh, Congress and everything. Yeah, I was a cop at the time. He was working upstairs for ICE, um, and so I've known him some thirty some odd years. But he's he's the first one that gave me the the realization of the extent of illegal alien. And this was back in the 1980s. What it is today is unbelievable. So we're not only having the border crossings, but we have uh, illegal aliens coming in on visas. 
They violate the visa, they overstay the visa, and then they disappear into the fabric of America. So we have a two-pronged assault on our nation with illegal immigrants. But, you know, why isn't Mayorkas being impeached, or can he be impeached? You know, I think so many Americans are asking that question, and they're calling for his impeachment. You know, we'll see. That's see how that how that plays out. And I I think my hope is that as Americans continue to be informed on what's really going on, that there will be calls to put um, very qualified individuals in place who can address the situation. And we have to be thinking about our men and women who are serving on the southern border, right? They need our support. They're just trying to do their jobs. These are, are patriots who are trying to make sure that the country stays safe, that the people are legally able to come into America, because we know it's a blessing to have immigrants come to America. We've always been a nation of immigrants, but it has to follow a certain procedure. And so we need to be supporting our Border Patrol agents, giving them the resources that they need. And right now, I think they feel completely abandoned by Mayorkas, by the Biden administration, because uh, they're essentially just being told, uh, you know, you have to figure it out. We have thousands more individuals crossing the border, figure it out. And the plan that Mayorkas has put forward to kind of quote unquote control what's going on um, or limit the number of, of individuals crossing the border, there's really no control in that. It, all he's doing is just trying to throw more resources at the issue instead of actually fixing the real problem. Yeah, it's absolutely unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. You know, and it's only going to get worse before it gets better. And that's why these upcoming midterm elections are so important. If we can control the House and take back the Senate, we can we can then impeach Mayorkas, get him out of there, get someone uh, approved and appointed that will control the border. But we've got to start with this election uh, before we can clean anything up. What we can do before the election is call your elected officials and say, what's going on here? This is what I want. I want to send Mayorkas out of there. You've got to impeach him. We all, we all have to remember time. that. Yep, yep. We have to remember that elections have consequences, right? Oh yeah. Oh gee, who said that? Oh. The other thing that's hot in the news is this leaked. Uh, uh, oh, good lord! Just a brain fart. Uh, Scotus. Um, <laughs> the the Dobbs case. Or, Leaked opinion on the case. Yes, yes, yes. The, the leak, and now which rose to these protests against the conservative judges. But uh, did, did I hear the news right yesterday that they, they actually protested also outside of Nancy Pelosi's house? I mean, really? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we we have seen in here in the Washington, D.C. area that there have been groups of protesters going to the homes of the more conservative weaning uh, Supreme Court justices. But then you're right that um, pro-abortion activists did protest at the home of Nancy Pelosi because they think she's not doing enough to further abortion. Uh, it's an interesting tactic, uh, and especially in a state like California, where they're literally advertising abortion tourism and saying, even if Roe v. Wade is overturned, you know, they're going to allow abortion on demand and anyone is welcome to come to their state and have an abortion 
But, you know, I think what these protesters don't understand who are going to the homes of the Supreme Court justices is that justices don't legislate, right? It's the role of a Supreme Court justice to look at the Constitution and make sure that our laws aren't in violation of the Constitution. And it's up to our legislatures who we elect to make the laws and the rules. So, you know, in in some ways, if people want to be protesting, uh, they should be talking to their legislatures and they should be talking to the individuals who actually, who we elect and who actually make the laws. Because the moment that Roe v. Wade is overturned, abortion legislation goes right back to the states to decide. There's already 26 states who have put very pro-life laws on the books that will go into effect uh, when Roe v. Wade is overturned. Well, I'm happy to say that as of yesterday, Henry McMaster's here in my state is calling the Congress back uh, into session to pass such legislation. So uh, I'm one of those 26 states. Uh, so Henry McMaster mm-hmm. is on top of that. He says as soon as the, the uh, ruling comes out, we're going to be uh, we're going to be having everyone back in place. And they actually agreed. They said yes, we're going to come back. So that's excellent. Yeah, it is. It is. But now here's here's the new thing. The Democrats had this national abortion bill, which again you wrote about a couple of days ago, replacing certain words and phrases. And it's like they're trying to reshape society by reshaping our language. Now, mm. no longer a woman that menstruates or a woman that has a baby. It's a person. Uh, yeah. Uh, right. Just crazy. Tell that to yeah, the body. This is, this is, <laughs> I know. This is, this is a bill called the Women's Health Protection Act. Uh, the Senate voted on it on Wednesday. The vote failed. It was expected to fail. What this piece of, of legislation, what this bill was essentially trying to do, was totally override states' uh, ability, authority to make their own decisions on the topic of abortion, to make their own laws on the topic of abortion, which is completely unconstitutional. So if, if this piece, if this bill had passed for any state that hit any sort of protection for life on the books, it would have been lifted. And America instantly would have become one of the most, if not the most, pro-abortion countries in the world. You know, even, even China has some protection for life. They say that you can't abort a baby based on its sex. You know, if you don't want to have a girl, you can't have an abortion just because of that. Uh, this measure that the Senate just voted on that thankfully failed would have even removed protections like that and would have just allowed completely for abortion on demand. But, Annie, you're right. The, the fascinating uh, thing about this bill is it literally never used the word women or female or woman, even though it's called the Women's Health Protection Act. It only used the word person in the bill. And an earlier draft version kind of clarified it, it. An earlier draft version, oh, excuse me, not a draft version, but an actual version of the bill that was voted on uh, last year included the word woman. And they said in the bill, you know, when we say women, we mean any person that can be pregnant. Uh, well, this this version went a step further and just completely removed the word women 
and replaced it with the word person. And you just step back and think, okay, these are the people right now that are running our country who aren't even willing to say that women are the only ones who can get pregnant. This is what we're working with. Well, they just approved a a, a judge for, for uh, SCOTUS that can't define a woman when she is a woman, right? Mm. Absolutely, you're right. Um, Senator Marsha Blackburn, when uh, now uh, Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson was testifying uh, in her confirmation hearing, Senator Blackburn asked her to define the word woman, and, yeah, her response was, I'm not a biologist. And when <laughs> when we have gotten to this point on the far left where, you know, up is down and right is left, and there's there's it seems like all kind of common sense they've just been willing to throw out the window in order to count out to this incredibly radical far left agenda that uh has really now i i mean in some ways i i do feel bad for those on the left who um you know are, are very kind of more so the traditional democrats because they must look at their party and think what on earth has happened We've moved so <laughs> far down this road, and logic just seems to be gone in so many ways. It is. It is. Well, it's always fun to speak with you, Virginia. Uh, people can find you over at Heritage with the uh, Daily Signal, where you're the news producer over there. You do a fantastic job, a lot of great stuff that comes up on the Daily Signal. Like I said, my two go-to places are you and um, over at the Epic Times. And then after that, I branch out to see what everyone else is saying before I put all my research <laughs> together. And you know, I do my homework. I probably would have been a good you reporter. <laughs> you would have been, Annie. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure joining you. Oh, it is our pleasure, too. God bless you for the hard work you do. And you know, you've got to come back anytime you want. Just tell Tom. Hey, uh, thank I got you stuff so to much. Talk about. All right. All Take right. Care. Sounds like a plan. Weekend. All right, Virginia Allen, check her up. Virginia Allen and her pieces and all the people that work with her over at the Daily Signal uh, through the Heritage Foundation at heritage.org. Curtis, that's what we got for today. We're done for our last three minutes here. We're going to be back next week. Uh, Or we start booking up guests. There's a new book out dealing with uh, COVID and the government intrusion in our bodies written by naomi wolf i just got the book yesterday uh i downloaded it uh from the uh the uh advertising advertising from the publicist so i'll be reading that uh, over the next couple of days and we're going to have her on uh so i'm going to see who else we can follow after that so it should be should be a great great show next week we're going to tackle COVID head on how's that sound All right, I think I just lost Curtis. Anyway, uh, I'm going to leave you all with, since I don't have my normal closing music, uh, when the roll is called up yonder. So until next week, I say good night and God bless and have fun out there.
ਹੱਥ ਦੇ